0: Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. It has been a massively long two weeks since we've last spoken to you. We can only apologise for that. Um, Life and stuff has got in the way and it is not just how icy and potentially snowy the UK is right now. Um, But joining me today uh,
1: is a man who needs no introduction. It's Jamie. You could give me one anyway, actually. I'd like to hear a few words. (laughs)
0: I always some people say that. Someone needs no introduction and then they give an introduction. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it's such a funny thing. It, it's okay, like okay, I'm right. starting a sentence and,
1: with no offence. Like, you're obviously going to offend <laughs> the person with what you're about to say, but okay. No offence, but everyone thinks you're
0: a dick. <laughs> um, a, ma- a man who needs no introduction, but he's been playing computer games for probably the last 25 years. He is a monster in the industry. Uh, co-host of a massive... 400,000-plus show, um, working now in the video games industry at a secret location that we cannot um, give away to you. It's a man who puts his heart and his soul into everything he does. I'm <laughs> of course, talking
1: about you, Jamie yeah. McCullough. Um, I regret asking. Not that anything you said was sort of factually incorrect, but I, it's just made me remember how deeply uncomfortable <laughs> it is to sit here having someone else talk about you in any capacity.
0: Yeah oh i should i should have referenced the um uh Insom- insomniac 51 or whatever what we went to I, should, should I oh, star of yeah what was
1: it was
0: it 51
1: i can't I, I don't remember i don't i, don't, I would uh, we all shared those those platforms as well we all shared those titles we worked hard together on everything we achieved in our former lives and now look at us that's one of my favorite memories really uh, a genuine a genuinely
0: it's such a funny memory i, I enjoy telling people about it because it's so ludicrous yeah Um, and hey if you want to find out what i'm talking about you're just going to have to go ahead and join our discord to find out that's right not only do we have a podcast we're also on discord you can join for as little as two dollars by going over to patreon.com forward slash super show pod uh joining up there and then you get access to the discord also you get access to some other content that we've got on our patreon um there's an awesome community of people hanging out on our discord so you can uh, chat to those guys as well but we're not just on YouTube if that's where you're watching us right now or we're not just on podcasting platforms if that's where you're listening to us right now we are on the other one as well this is weird because i don't know which one you're listening or watching on so i'm just going to say both True. um podcasting platforms we're on Spotify iTunes Google Podcasts Stitcher Deezer is that one and anywhere you might get your your podcast we're also on paisleyradio.com every Thursday at 10 p.m. it is pseudo live it's not really live, but it's kind of live. You can tune in. You can listen to us. You can play like in your head that you're back in the 1990s in the good times. And you can um, you know enjoy it in that sense.
1: I feel like that's something um, you do quite a lot. You just sit down, close your eyes, and imagine you're in the 90s in your prime. Who knew?
0: Who knew the 80s and the
1: 90s were probably the best decades ever? And well, it was all downhill from there. Here's the thing, though if it didn't feel like they were the best decades ever while you were experiencing them, then surely the same logic could be applied to any decade you're currently living in now. Like, how do you know we're not going to reflect on the 20s and say, God, who knew how great things were? We didn't have the we're metaverse. Out and we're out of it. We're out okay. of
0: the 20s. We're out of the 2000s, anyway, the noughties, and we know how shit they were. We're out of the 2010s,
1: and we know how shit they are. So well, we can now say... I,
0: think, now? I, think,
1: I guess it depends on your perspective. Um, like... Hey, I'll, 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 I'll you know, reference video games, seeing as that's, in theory, what we're here to talk about. I'm always of the opinion that for as much nostalgia as you can have for any bygone era of gaming in any console, any generation, the best time to be playing games at any one point is always the most recent point in history because you've got the entire history of video games open to you through, you know, whether you're, you've got old consoles lying around or you're going to emulate things, hopefully legally, we're watching you, um, you know, it's like I don't, I just, yeah, I don't understand that. Like, there'd be no reason to want to go back in time to experience a certain era of like games or films or music because, as far as media and art is con- uh, concerned, the most modern time is always the best time to be living, and that's why I'm grateful to be in the here and now, Mister Jones.
0: That that is true, but the, the weird thing about those mediums is, at the time, it was this, that was also true. So you don't gain anything by moving forward twenty years in the future because no, you're still at the cutting but edge. But you would
1: lose something by going back, which is what one of the things yes. I push back against golden age thinking for. Like every time I watch right, Midnight in Paris, right. I'm like, you're never going to be able to watch The Rock again.
0: Right? Yeah. It's, it's not. No. It's not. It wouldn't be good to go back and then have to experience it again. But it was good to experience it the first time. Yeah. Like I, I remember watching Blade One. Yep. On a um on a pirated VHS that someone had recorded uh, in the yeah. cinema and I watched the entire movie. And you know, to this day, it's the only way I've ever seen blade. Really? And yes. And in my head, there is nothing wrong with how it was when I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I know if I went back now and tried to rewatch that, it would be like, I think people would think how, because it would have been less than standard definition. Mm-hmm. It would have been on a, uh, a shitty four by a five by four TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we, we,
1: horrendous. We talk about this horrendous. all the time with ha- like how digital foundry has fucking tainted our perceptions of the resolutions and frame rates that video games are meant to run at, and how happy we were even a generation or two ago, like playing games with no concept whatsoever with re- of whether or not they were running at a like a, a reasonable resolution or at a reasonable frame rate. We just accepted it, and like when Rockstar put out, uh, the example I always go to is Red Dead Redemption One. Um, I think on the PS3, not necessarily the 360 ran at less than 720p, like was sub HD um, and uh, also failed to regularly hit 30 frames a second, regularly fluctuated through the 20s. And it's like, you'd be the laughing stock of the games industry if that happened now. Like, like Digital Foundry out here being like, oh, it's not a flawless 30. There are drops. It's like, bro... We were lucky to get a, a flawless 25, like, two generations ago. <laughs>
0: it's funny, though, to think that in 20 years' time, people might look back on, say, like, God of War Ragnarok and say, oh, that it was so crap. They only managed this resolution at, like, 120 frames a second. How sad. Yeah. But at the time, we're like, oh, it's amazing. It runs so well. It's brilliant. Um, um, like, so I used to show people uh, on my PlayStation 1, I used to show them the cutscenes from G-Police, Because I was, I would love to use it as an example of how amazing the CGI looked. Yeah, and I would be like, "No, you've got to see this. It looks amazing." And I think that I think that was from nineteen ninety seven, roughly. I think. Um, And now, and I I tried to look at it a few years ago, and the draw distance is about three and a half meters. So it's that game, and the CGI looks pretty bad. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's. The pop-in. jeez.
1: And you've talked in the past about the, the Mortal Kombat photorealism debate, which is like, <laughs> hey, if, it, if the photos, yeah. you can't be more photorealistic than photos. Like, <laughs> can that.
0: No, man. It's, yeah, it's hilarious when you sort of... And I still do it to this day, though. I still do it. I still see stuff and I'm blown away. And I'm like, you can't ever look any better than this. Yeah. No. Although, I had a little bit of a, the opposite of that the other day. Because um, you and I made a journey to... I'm, I'm I'm choosing violence today. I'm going to start Fuck strong. Fuck it, let's do um, it. Uh, because we're going to talk about the game awards today, and not to um, shit. What's the saying? Not to like, I don't know, shoot the horse or something. <laughs> jump the, the jump is.
1: the gun. Jump, jump the, the shark? gun.
0: Maybe that's what I'm trying to think of. Jump the gun. Um, uh, a game that won a very good, big award. Um, I'm of course talking about Elden Ring. Mm. We got to actually have a look at it in person for the first time because we, we did. went to Chris's house. Yeah. And we got to even play a little bit. And do you know what? I've decided is I do not like how FromSoft do their uh, graphics and now I don't like their animation style. I don't think it looks very good.
1: I mean, yeah, they, they're definitely a team that tends to prioritize other things over the visual qualities of the game at times. Although I do think there's something to Elden Ring's art direction and world design that is still pretty impressive on like a on a on a grander scale. But I can see, like, if you're looking at the finer details. Like, I'm going to also jump the gun and join you in choosing violence. I'm going to talk about the Callisto Protocol in a little bit because I haven't been in the podcast since I talked about that. And those are two games with very uh, different ideas of kind of, like, how, like, very different approaches, I guess, to visuals, where the Callisto Protocol is all about, like, extremely um, intense and and effective use of ray tracing and high-quality lighting and shadows, and it creates a very... Atmospheric, um, you know, overall kind of presentation. Whereas Elden Ring is less focused on like the finer details, it's more about like, no, we're going to create a cohesive world and it needs to be extremely varied and there needs to be identifiable, you know, biomes and landscapes and a, a hugely, like a, a crazy vast uh, and diverse cast of enemy characters and bosses and ways to customize your player character while everything at the same time, the frame rate has to be rock solid because of the nature of the game and, like, every animation needs to be supremely finely tuned because people rely on us, giving them that kind of, like, the comfort and the knowledge that they can judge every role perfectly and their iframes are always going to be the perfect amount of iframes and all that weird shit that FromSoft nerds get into. Like, that's that's what those guys need to worry about now rather than, like, um, are there is there ray-traced lighting and shadows? Other, other it's almost reflections, like, RT. Do you ever, you ever watch uh, someone
0: who plays, who loves to play online shooters, and they turn everything down to a minimum, yeah. so they get the maximum frame rate possible? And you're like, how? Why are you playing the game like this? And it's because the, yeah, the thing they get out of it, the enjoyment, comes from like the interaction, the playing against other people, and they actually don't really care about the visual sort of look, yeah. and style, and everything. So yeah, it's a great example. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, but apparently, I'm not into it because, um, yeah, I was. I thought I thought maybe in person it would look better. I don't know why. I was thinking like it's
1: gonna. Look uh, better I think I knew what to expect. But do you know what? One thing that we will get to uh, later on in the show, as we do start to roll through the various announcements that the Game Awards had to offer, is the future of From Software and whether or that whether or not that maybe lends itself to slightly more uh, visually adept, um, you know.
0: Uh, I, do you know what? I didn't see it coming I must admit I, I didn't even I think I didn't even I forgot I did know I forgot that it was even FromSoft who make that uh, right. game that we will
1: talk about we're just, just uh, dig teasing people now
0: <laughs> we are and the reason we are is because I'm now going to pull you away from games um, to mention some amazing people that support us uh, every week I'm of course talking about our patrons who have uh, gone over to patreon.com forward slash super show and have supported us um, there are some names on screen right now but I would also like to give a shout out uh, to some of them, they are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Kay, Crow's Perch, Davnat Coburn, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdell Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and the big dogs, the members of the board. They are Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and He's What. Uh, thank you so much to all of you guys for supporting us. It is very much appreciated. Um, but if you would like to join them, like I said, you can join over at patreon.com forward slash super show and hop on the discord and have a chat with us. But without, oh, I was going to say without further ado, I do have an
1: ado. Oh, and I've never said that before. Much ado about nothing.
0: Yeah, before we get into the uh, the Game Awards 2022 and Jeff Keighley's lovely white sneakers. Ooh. Should we quickly do a um, a little cheeky catch-up?
1: Yeah, yeah um, we'll, we'll, I'll, like... I will keep it brief because I do think there's, there's so much meat on the bone when it came to the Game Awards this year. Um, Jeff's sneakers certainly being amongst them. I feel like I don't want to hold this up for too long because I've also mostly just been going back through the year and playing a couple of things I missed out on. Some because they were well-received at the time and intriguing to me like uh, Cult of the Lamb. Some because they were the less well-received at the time but still equally, equally as intriguing to me uh, like Gotham Knights. Um, but like the thing that I've felt myself wanting to talk about the most for the past two weeks, as we've been podcastless, uh, just as our audience have been, is the Callisto Protocol which... I picked up that first weekend. it came out after the reviews had dropped and there was kind of this weird perception around the game online. The reviews weren't actually that bad. The Metacritic ranking kind of like landed in the mid-70s. For all intents purposes, it seemed like a perfectly like serviceable, you know, solid, if slightly average, or, you know, middling, uh, tense survival horror action-adventure game. And yet, if you looked at social media at various times across that opening weekend, certainly, you'd have found some far stronger opinions. And I was kind of really curious as to why some people were reacting to this so viscerally, if you'll excuse the pun, like why why there were so many people who felt the need to like really badmouth the game and really kind of like, um, tread on it. Um, whereas like when you look at the Metacritic rankings, it was like, it's in the same ballpark as games, like dying light one. And, um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and uh, Detroit Become Human. And, like, none of them were flawless games, but they were all, like, solid games and solid debuts as well, which is what I thought this might be. And, yeah, perhaps unsurprisingly, I actually had a really darn good time with the Callisto Protocol. Um, It's one of those things where... I wonder if there was a bit of this when you spoke about Gotham Knights, Jonesy. It's, like, it's not that anyone who wrote, like, a, a, a hypercritical review of the game was wrong, per se, Like, I don't think anyone was pulling shit out of their ass when it came to the critiques they were able to render for the Callisto Protocol. I experienced a lot of things that they considered shortcomings, and I agreed in many respects that they were shortcomings, but they didn't have as negative an impact on my overall experience as it seemed to for others. Um, Right, yeah. And I I thought, uh, for the most part, like, the positives outweighed the negatives. I really enjoyed... Uh the tone overall of the game, um like I think it is very atmospheric, never quite as scary as the dead space trilogy or at least certainly Dead Space One was, but then that actually suits me quite nicely um because I don't want games to be particularly scary <laughs> and it's a shame I, I like they did reach for more scares than they kind of could could grasp at times with you know jump scares that completely fell flat and some kind of um de- enemy encounters and certain moments and set pieces that clearly were designed to be scary that made me sigh more than anything. But I, I don't know. There was something about the world it creates. One of a better way of putting it. I know a world is a weird word to use because it's entirely set on a prison. Um, but like there was a cohesiveness to the design and to the imagery and to the to the to the various environments you move through as you go through the various chapters. They don't change that dramatically, but they change just enough, and everything feels grounded and rooted enough within the the kind of the world they're trying to establish that I actually quite quite liked that. I like spending time with those characters, even if one, there aren't many of them, and two, I think the actual story beats end up falling a bit flat, especially in the final third as reveals start to rear their head and you start to get answers to questions and uh, go figure, the answers weren't quite as satisfying as the uh, intrigue surrounding the questions were prior. And I also just think the thing at the core of this game, like the combat, which is far more melee focused than, say, Dead Space was, is actually like really interesting. Um... And and again, just suits me quite nicely. I think it was a uh, Brad Shoemaker over uh, at Nextlander who said it clicked for him when he realised that the melee system in the glister Protocol was like a boxing game, and it kind of is. Right. It's like you know, it's very focused on dodging, but dodging isn't like a twitch response thing. It's not like a like time it perfectly or do a. There's no parry system or anything like that. Basically, the direct if you're holding a direction on the left stick, either left or right, as an enemy attack comes in. You will automatically dodge in that direction. So there's no timing okay. to it already. The the thing is, if an enemy does a follow up attack, and some of them will, they'll do like do various swipes or like moves in bunches. You can't dodge in the same direction twice. So you end up kind of shimming and dodging to the left, and then shimming and dodging to the right, and then like, I
0: get what you mean, like yeah, boxing
1: yeah, exactly. And then you'll notice they're not throwing again. So that's your opening to kind of go in. And there is a blocking system and. Um, you can upgrade your melee weapon to kind of like work around some of those other elements. Like there's an upgrade that basically if they try and block um, one of your attacks with their arm, you'll basically shot their arm off. Um, Cause Glass. there are some, dead, there are lots of dead spacey nods as well. Like dismemberment isn't as big a part of the game, but it's still regularly mentioned. Um, there's a a, a, a grip arm that essentially allows you to have a telekinesis like function, very similar to dead space. Um, you can stamp on everything after it's dead and goodies will pop out of it, like ammo and health, which again is extremely dead space. It knows exactly what it is. It is far from perfect. It is at times even quite frustrating. And yet as kind of like a debut game from a new studio, albeit a new studio with a bunch of money and a bunch of very talented and uh, experienced people behind it, I just thought it was a, like a really sort of like rock solid, like new entry into a like a, like a debut survival horror action adventure game. Um, one that is probably not worth $70 to most people. Completely get that. It's At the end of the day, it's like a 7 out of 10 game. But, you know, if if, if you're looking at this in the bargain bin's kind of like, and that sounds like such a harsh thing to say, but like, if you're looking at this in a sale, like in a couple of months' time, or six months' time, whatever, and it's like 20 or $30, and like the DLC has come out by then, and they've patched it a bunch of times so that things are a little bit smoother, and there are... Fewer rough edges. Like, I think most people are going to, most people who think they're going to have a good time will have a good time, assuming they've like watched footage or something like that.
0: We're in a strange kind of world now where 70, 70 quid is a lot to spend on a game. And so even games that are like decent games that you would absolutely have bought like a couple of years ago, you're going to be waiting to their bargain bin because yep. they're just, you know, it's, it's such a um, uh, a bloated sort of market like in this over the space of a year to be dropping 70 quid on multiple titles especially when you're not 100 100 percent sure about a game
1: especially when you know the the, the, again the bargain bin sounds like a kind of a harsh way of putting it but games get radically cheaper quite quickly nowadays and you can go on the some of the sales that are active on the playstation store right now and sonic frontiers is down in the 30s now and gotham knights is down in the 30s now and um Even if you just want to live, you know, through various subscription services, like Game Pass has had a really solid, like, couple of weeks, both with, you know, original, like, new games like Pentiment or, like, some of the more other big games throughout the year, like the uh, Lego Star Wars game just arrived on Game Pass. The Mass Effect Legendary uh, Edition just arrived on PlayStation Plus for the month. Like, that's fucking 100 hours worth of some of the best gaming of all time right there. So it's like... There's never a shortage of things to play, and that makes $70 seem like a lot for a single-player, linear action-adventure game that's over in eight hours. And I get that, and that's why I would never implore anyone to spend that money on it unless they really wanted to. But it doesn't mean it's a bad game, and it's not a bad game. Cool. So, yeah, that's that's me, I think, really. How about yourself? Um... uh...
0: All right, do you know what? So two things off the back of the Game Awards uh, piqued my interest this week. One has, which ha- has piqued my interest for a while, uh, which was Genshin Impact, which I've always wanted to have a go at, but I have have never jumped in. Yeah. And because of, it, I've just finished like Ragnarok and, and before I sort of hop back into some of the games that I need to sort of finish off, I thought, oh, let me have a look at, because um, I wasn't sure how much it was, whether it was like, you know, available on uh, PlayStation, et cetera. And it's free on PlayStation uh, Plus. So I was like, okay, let me, I think uh, it's free on
1: everything. I think it's just a free game.
0: Oh, is it just free?
1: Oh, okay. I, I believe I so. Lie.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, so yeah, so I, I was like, Hey, let me, let me hop into this. Um, cause I've wanted to have a little dabble for a while and yeah, no, uh, I've played a, f- a few hours of it. Um, it's very breath of the wild. Um, like, so Breath of the Wild, I can't believe you and Chris don't just play it all the time and just come along and <laughs> go, oh, well, it's such an amazing game. It's just, like, the most amazing open world I've ever seen. It's it's down to, like, the cl- climbing up rocks, uh, going into, like, little dungeon-y areas where you get new powers from. Like, they're have they are very inspired by Breath of the Wild, for sure. Yeah. But um, nice. It's a cool game. It's fun. Uh, I like the combat, and I mean, I've been enjoying it um, so far. Like I said, a couple of hours put into that. Uh, and also another thing that came out the back of the Game Awards was that Forspoken had a playable demo, which was available on PlayStation um, for you to download. Uh, I think it took me about half an hour, 45 minutes to, to finish. It's pretty short. Okay. If you just run through the uh, um, the objectives, but you can just play around in that world for as long as you want. So you could spend hours just like leveling up and fighting enemies. Okay. And before you do the little objectives, Um I, I don't I'm, I'm torn i'm so torn on that on that on forspoken. right partially like a lot of things i thought were gonna feel kind of wrong do
1: <laughs> yep okay I know what you
0: mean. so for example like i'm sure we're all familiar with game worlds that feel as though they've been built to house the game in the way that everything exists for a reason and for a purpose and the world of the game is designed very carefully that is not what Forspoken feels like. To me, Forspoken feels like they have gone and just created a world that looks ultra realistic uh, or as, uh, as ultra realistic as they can. And then they've built a game on to the back of it. That's kind of how I get from just the demo because there are certain things in the environment which is like, oh look there's a there's a there's things from like tropes of fantasy so there are some flying rocks over there there's a castle over there there's this over there. there is that over there and then they're just enemies plonked into these places it doesn't feel like they needed to be plonked in that place but that existed so they plonked some enemies there um and then there's like a few little houses you can go in and there's some other stuff going on which again is it just feels like they've made this environment and you've got to they want you to be able to traverse up walls, mm. but because they don't have a system for that, they've just plonked these orange crystals onto the sides of walls that you can, you have some ray ability where you can launch out some like weird grappling hook thing that pulls you up and then throws you into the air so you can like grappling hook onto another orange crystal that's sticking out of rock face like it feels it oh, i don't want I don't want to be too cynical, but it just all feels a bit like. How are we going to get around that? Oh, we'll just stick some orange crystals over there. Oh, okay. How are we going to get over that? Oh, we'll just stick something over there. Like, it, do- it doesn't feel like a carefully crafted game world. Right. That okay. having been said, playing around with the magical powers and the abilities and the way the combat system works, I actually had quite a lot of fun with it. And the way you can okay. sort of switch between the different systems and you've got to implement um, uh, like two different forms of magic and you can, you know, and the way that they've in- they've got this modern day character who's been thrust into this fantasy world is quite uh, a novel thing um, and worked quite well. And I was, I was enjoying some of that. Um, It's fucking weird is what I'm trying to say. I, I I think some people will love it. I really do. And I think most people will hate it.
1: Yeah. I I know what you mean. Um, (coughs) Some people will play that game for 50 hours. They will explore
0: every nook and cranny and they will think it is like the the bee's knees, and they will wax lyrical about how amazing Forspoken is and how underappreciated it is. And yeah, a lot of people will just be like, no, this game is yeah. not that good.
1: I, I don't know if I'm just being harsh, uh, both to the game and the communities that surround certain games, but I feel like that idea that you just suggested that there'll be people out there that love it and that pour hundreds of hours into it and are convinced that it is some overlooked and, you know, like misunderstood gem. I feel like that applies to just about every major release now because um, like
0: yeah maybe maybe it does actually.
1: I don't know cause, because there are always going to be people that get invested ahead of time there always could be people that pre-order there are people that have the collector's editions of these games show up on their doorsteps on day one regardless of what the reviews were because they paid for it six months earlier because they thought nothing could possibly go wrong and those people were often times at that point like committed to being the Forspoken Guy, uh, get ready. I'm going to change my Twitter handle and my Twitter profile picture. I'm going to be the Forspoken Guy for like the next year. That's my personality now. I don't know. That's yeah, just, just the way it feels sometimes.
0: I am Forspoken. I'm trying to think of like a game I can even liken it to. And I can't, I'm, in a, and I'm sort of struggling. Like a lot of it is um, when it comes to like
1: combat. And I'm, yeah, I'm coming up. I'm coming up blank. Um, yeah, it's a tough one combat like there was uh, elements of uh, infamous for me in that sort of like you're wielding some sort of yeah. these ethereal magical abilities but for the sake of it being a game they kind of have to come up with more familiar kind of like takes on them so it's like this sounds like it's got a crazy name and a crazy description and the visuals of it are off the wall but it functions like a machine gun um yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah right, i see what you mean yeah
0: yes abs- no, absolutely absolutely um i think it does struggle with the uh the lack of connectivity to its environment like that definitely struck me and the lack of um the way that the character like for example okay the main traversal mechanic um is you effectively hold down a button and you have magic parkour and you run around with magic parkour and you have a um, mana stamina gauge which depletes gradually as you as you run along and um, and if you hold the button down, you like keep using your mana until complete depletes. But if you just stop running, and this is um, obviously a few hours into the game, the demo takes place. If you just stop running, your mana just goes like, bloop, bloop, and just completely replenishes. And then you just go running off again. And it feels like they've just, they needed a way to say, to get you around a big environment, like a hmm. big, pretty environment um, without sort of hindering you too much. So they've just gone, you've got magic boots. Um, which is i don't like that in games i don't like it when it feels like they've had to force a mechanic in order to make you not get bored and that's right. how it that felt yeah um, and as well like I'm saying with the magic grappling hook which feels like such a strange addition i didn't even discover it until two thirds of the way through the um,
1: yeah I never yeah, experienced demo. that
0: in my time it, it, i think if you i think it's you hold down l1 and the and it almost check the, the the view almost changes to like a photo mode is okay it l1 and and you get this line come out of um, come out of you, which is like an arc. And if you tap it, you will just immediately like grapple onto an enemy. Like if there's an enemy nearby, and you'll pull yourself to the enemy, like you, you know, right up to them. But if you do it to a rock face, for example, it'll pull you to the rock face. Um, but the way that it's added on, it's like like I said, it's got a weird look to it. It's like a photo mode. And if you're too far away, it'll just give you a little line to say, "Oh, you can't go there." Hmm. And I'm like. It, this is an addition. This is something you've added in because there was a traversal problem and you were like, how are we going to get, how are we going to do that? And they're like, magic grappling hook? It's, I don't know. I'm, yeah. yeah. But, it's, but like I said, but there's a lot of people are get into this. There are a lot of people who want to play around with the um, uh, the, the systems for our advancing. Like it seems like a cool story for a game.
1: Um, see, see, the writing of the story was some of the stuff that I was least enthusiastic about. Um. I, I, I think it could be cool though for the for the the game in general. Like
0: the, I think that's an interesting so. mash together. It could be, or it could be really fucking
1: annoying. I, I found a lot of what was in this demo quite annoying, especially yeah. essentially having Stephen Merchant attached to your wrist at all times. Like, I, it, yeah, it felt like I, even in just the short amount of time I spent with that demo, even less than the time you spent with it, I was like, I can see this getting under my skin. Um. Quote if quickly, you were annoyed
0: right? by God of War Ragnarok
1: and how they, come oh, in god, not, yeah. I think yeah. I think this would, this
0: would break you because yeah. in a demo it was just incessant,
1: yeah, like constant. I I also just think that that game needs to. If there's one thing I would change about that game between now and release, they need to change the default visual presentation mode to performance over fidelity because oh, I yeah. that game was like for some reason, like, fucking with my eyes at 30 frames a second. And, like, I'm not a 30 FPS snob. I played Callisto at 30 FPS. I'm obviously playing Gotham Knights at 30 FPS. That's not even a choice in that one. (laughs) But there's something about Forspoken's, like, visual presentation. It's kind of got this... It's not bland, but it's kind of got this sort of low-contrast feel. But also, everything's been, like, super sharpened, and everything's got this kind of, like, weird, like, sparkly, spectrally quality that I just... Couldn't pass yeah, as it's many horrible. of horrible. Yeah, I found it hard to pass the details of like the like the enemy designs and the actual the the magic that I was wielding that they were wielding and what was going on in some of those fights and there was a, a lot more clarity for me at sixty fps um not not in the, a way that like drastically fixed it but yeah it it's funny hard. you said about the contrast I would have said the con-
0: maybe it's just that the blacks have been turned down far too low like it felt like everything was. Like you said, super sharp, and, and the blacks were super dark, yep. and it was hard to sometimes make stuff out. And it, I was found myself like digging through menus trying to trying to make it look better, and it just
1: didn't. Yeah, and even um, the menus yeah. have like kind of had this weird like I know it's all the part of the design, but they've got this weird like warped aesthetic, kind of like where the yeah you know, the the corners have kind of been curved away, and yeah, I I'm not buying. I'm not picking up a lot of what that game is putting down for some reason, and I want to like no. it. So. No,
0: uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm in a weird place with it. I think a lot of people will really like it. I do think I would like to spend more time with the the full game. Mm-hmm. Would I risk pumping the money into buy it? No, not at all. Like, yeah. no. Bar- bargain, uh, if it gets an 8.5 and it ends up in a bargain bin, I'll probably pick it up at some point. If it's on like a low 70 and it's
1: in a bargain bin, I'll probably miss it. Right, yeah, so, I think so. that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough.
0: Um, but Hey, that having been said, why don't we move on to the game awards and, um, talk about some new stuff, Jamie, some world premieres. Let's do it. Um, so we're going to do this a little bit differently to we normally do. We're going to start with the, uh, the biggest announcements, um, of the night and we're going to work our way down, uh, rather than sort of giving you a, um, chronological run through. I, I was, looking for the word then. I can't remember what the, what the word was. Um, but I think this is a better way to do it. I think this is a, a, a more... Engaging, fun way to
1: do it. <laughs> we're doing the
0: cardinal sin though, really, is because you're yeah, oh, doing yeah. a thing you should never do, which is
1: to tell people what they want to know at the beginning well, and then they can fuck off. Technically, in our defense, like the way that it's currently spaced out in the in the document we're looking at, like you could argue that yes, it goes in kind of like reverse chronological order in terms of um, you know, most to least exciting or whatever, but also like the final tier of uh things that we have to talk about is the WTF tier. So it's kinda of like yeah. If you want to hear about the most bizarre and weirdest things that happened on the night, then you would have to wait till the end. Um, which is probably some of cause... the most fun. Yes. They were they... some of the most fun well, things for sure. I, I, I agree, fun. Some people on Twitter would have you believe scary in some cases, which I, <laughs> I understand, but I guess we'll we'll get to that when we get to it.
0: I'm excited for anyone who doesn't know about the very last thing we're going to mention, which is the very last thing that happened in the night, which is bizarre. (laughs) I
1: feel like the whole internet's heard about it by now, but we'll see. Yes.
0: I think, no, I don't know. I think some people, some people might not have heard. Well, I don't know. We'll find out.
1: Anyway, uh, so let's jump right
0: into it. And actually, one of the first things that was announced was Hades 2 from uh, Supergiant. Um, You probably have heard of us talk about uh, Hades 1 when it came out. Um, I think we all played it uh, and enjoyed it, and it is getting a sequel. Um, no surprises there.
1: Uh, it did very well. Um,
0: what was it? Two years ago, Hades came out. I think was it? Uh, two,
1: I think only I th- two years ago. I think it came out three years ago, um, and it was in early... Or, or maybe it came out early access. Years, it was that's the thing. Like Hades two is doing what Hades one did, which is yep. easy to forget, which is launching in early access. And of course, the thing about Hades is when all the reviews dropped and everyone went, "Oh my god, Hades!" That was kind of the 1.0 moment. Like there wasn't, there was solid buzz, buzz for Hades in in early access. But yeah, it was that game kind of finally fully releasing and saying, "Hey, here we are, everyone, jump in." Um, was when it got its big pop. It's going to be interesting to see how the Hades two flow goes though, because I feel like a lot more people will be eager to jump into early access on Hades two than on Hades one. I will also say as well that That's it is something point, yeah. of a surprise just based on the fact that Supergiant have never made a sequel before. Um, ah, okay. So this is their first
0: uh, their first dabble in the, in a, the sequel. Yeah. Although I kind of feel like it's probably one of the best sort of sequels to make for your first because it is, it's following the sort of the pattern of the first and that it's a roguelike. You haven't got to worry about um, you know, a real strict story linear game. It's something that you can mess around with the game mechanics yeah. and the aesthetics and then the story probably comes like a little bit later on Um, but so yeah this time um, Hades 2 is following I don't know how to say this Melanoe Melanoe um, Mm. I'm not really sure this is Zagreus' sister from the the first game and daughter um, of Hades who is a powerful uh, magical being um, which kind of feels like that they've introduced her to just throw in a whole new types of like combat and ways to kill the shit out of it of uh, other characters
1: yeah and like that's in many respects and maybe i'm downplaying it and we'll see if they kind of do anything to you know exceed these expectations but that's kind of all Hades 2 really needs right is a new protagonist that can wield a new group of weapons has a new new sort of like surrounding cast of people to get to know and relationships to kind of like develop with and uh, then you get a you know a new sort of like i don't know how they kind of Expand the kind of the pantheon of gods that can kind of assist you on that journey because obviously Hades was all about like making sort of like weird almost pacts and agreements with various gods to get access to their abilities and you know finding these different combinations of weapons and and gods that would lead to these super powerful builds. Um, It's also just timing wise, like Hades is still a game that I think about semi-regularly in the kind of a, oh, should I go back to Hades kind of sense? So when a developer kind of makes the call for you and it's like, no, you don't have to, there's a new one coming out next year. (laughs) I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Greg Kasavin.
0: I need to know what I, I think I've only got to Hades once. Didn't, didn't kill him. And I think I, yeah, after about seven or eight run throughs, I didn't, don't think I went back to that game. Like it was, it was fine, but I'm not a big roguelike guy anyway. And it was, um, it was one as well. I was like, am I really going to put in the time that I need to put in to sort of do this and do how many runs I'm going to need to do? Uh, and I and I didn't, um, which That's is, is a shame because yeah. it is it got a lot of uh, a lot of love, a lot of respect. I'm sure it's one that I will go back to at some point and sort of be
1: like, actually, this is wicked. Yeah, um, especially yeah, the, the way they months. integrated like the in between runs elements into kind of like the the broader scope of the game. And I know you've yeah. never been one for like. Talking to sexy gods and kind of flirting with them, and you know that being—I
0: did—I did a decent amount of it to be fair
1: in the eighties. Yeah, 80s. yeah. And I did like all of
0: those elements. They were—they were very fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's a very good game.
0: Um, then we also got to have a look at another game, though, Jamie. That I—that I definitely piqued my interest a bit, little bit more, uh, which was Judas. Um, this comes from Ken Levine, creator of Bioshock, and this looked insanely Bioshock.
1: To be fair, it did. Maybe a little bit more Bioshock than I would have hoped uh, for the first post-Bioshock outing of Ken Levine, and uh, I guess the well, I don't even know what kind of to refer to them in terms of the lineage of the studio, but Ghost Story Games. Um, I guess they—they're kind of a new studio in that this is their first game, but they're not a new studio in that they've been around for seven years, and they're also even less of a new studio considering they were built out of, you know, the the, the bones of the previous studio. So um, irrational was I think it was. Um, so yeah, a, a bizarre story and one that like anyone who's paid any attention to Ghost Story Games or Ken Levine over the past seven years, like the idea that Bioshock Infinite launched. And that 2K and the Take Two family were cool to like let this guy roll on and and essentially bankroll the development of this bizarre project that no one's known anything about for, as I said, the best part of seven years, and now it's finally rearing its head. Um, it's really interesting. I think the, the I, like you said, other than how Bioshocky it looked, the visuals it presented seemed like intriguing enough for me. Though it's yep. all about just like going back through the years of interviews and GDC talks and what have you that Ken Levine has done and seeing what of all the things that he's talked about and the very big and very expansive ideas he's had. sort of post Bioshock has actually made its way into a game that can feasibly be released and sold for money. And like you go back to like the, what it was like the, the narrative Legos idea and all that kind of stuff and trying to create these like really unique bespoke kind of like story things and creating story moments through gameplay and less about these sort of like pinch points that you get in the telltale games. For example, Um, Ken Levine's been talking a lot is what I'm saying. And I am fascinated to see um, what, you know, undoubtedly one of the, you know, the most significant like auteurs in recent video gaming history kind of comes up with next for as problematic as he can occasionally be like the dude's important. So yeah, we'll see. I think you're right in saying that it was almost it's almost
0: disappointingly bioshock looking for anyone who didn't actually see the uh trailer. Like one that immediately struck me as um as should we be a little bit worried that rather than do something completely different, something that looks like really fresh, it effectively looks I mean down to even like whatever it was, the the powers that come out of your hand. Yeah. You know, it, all of that stuff and, and the designs and the way that you are I mean, I'm 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 jumping the sh- uh, the gun on this absolutely, but um, the way that you even approach some of the characters in that in the little trailer that we got, um, I could just imagine it was like a Bioshocky uh, like moral dilemma moment coming when you're going to learn something about this world of like automatons or clockwork robot people, and you're going to find out, oh no, it's not what I thought. Like, it, do you know what I mean? It feels like that's how it's yeah really presented. I'm massively jumping the gun on that we'll see. because I've got no idea, but that's how it—that's how it looks.
1: The thing that I've always hoped for, Ken, Le- Ken Levine's next project and whatever Ghost Story games have been working on, ever since it was first described and kind of like the ideas they were first putting out there were were kind of being discussed was for something that you know took that kind of the core idea of a single player narrative driven uh, adventure game or, or like if, or even an FPS. But kind of like whittled it down to being as as weird as it sounds, as narrow as it could be, so that it could um, have as much, you know, differentiation between each player's experience as possible. And like I, I remember, um, I don't remember who the quote was. I was, I was listening to someone discuss it the other day. It might have been Warren Spector, the Deus Ex guy. Um, who there's some quote I think that might be attributed to him. I apologise if it's not. But it's like the ideal game, like the dream game, the perfect game isn't a game that's the size of the ocean with the depth of a puddle. It's a game that's the size of the puddle with the depth of an ocean. So, like, I love the idea of Judas being a thing like, yeah, this is a single-player narrative-driven first-person shooter that's two hours long. We've been working for seven years and it's two hours. It'll take you two hours to roll credits, but you can play this 50 times and never see the same like story element twice or never see the same twist twice or never have the same engagement with right. that character twice. And like, obviously that's not what this game is going to be because there's very little commercial viability for a product like that. And it's so difficult to communicate, but there is something about, the ideas that Ken Levine has experimented with in the past, not just through the Bioshock series, but all, like I said, every fucking interview and GDC talk he's done over the last seven years. them like, this guy thinks about games in a really intriguing way. And like the narrative Legos idea and the, you know, the idea of making sure that no two players narrative experiences are the same is fascinating to me. But at what point does it give way to like a, the kind of the, the bullet points that need to be hit for the back of the box. It still needs to be an FPS. It still needs to be eight hours before you roll credits or people on in the internet will complain. It still needs to have X, it still needs to have Y, it still needs to have Z. And I, I'd be fascinated to see to what, extent, to what extent Ken Levine has been allowed to go off and make the most like art house, ass art house <laughs> game ever. Because if you're going to let Ken Levine basically wind down the studio that made Bioshock Infinite, Like, they took Irrational Games, they made a critically acclaimed, massively selling game, they whittled it down to, like, 15 people that he chose by hand and basically let them make this game uh, completely in private, completely, like, he's restarted development multiple times, um, he's scrapped things multiple times, it's been in, quote, unquote, development hell for so long. Like, if you're 2K and Take-Two, why would you bankroll that? And him, all this time, if you weren't going to let him make something, like, really out there, and that's, I know I'm talking about it a lot, but that's just what I hope Judas is. is something really unpredictable.
0: There, is, No, I, I agree with you. I, I i think I'd love to see that as well. And it it kind of, it does make you, it, it makes me hope for that, for what you've said, but mm-hmm. it makes me worry for the realities of video game making, in which someone's turned around and gone, hey, look, man, we need to make some money out of yeah. this. We put money in and you need to have made something that we can sell. And then you do get worried about, well, how far... Or, how little of the game that they wanted to make did they actually get to make in order to make a product that could be saleable? And it, yeah, it, it gets weird. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, Bioshock Infinite was cracking game. Um, so, hey, it was. let's. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say Bioshock 1 and 2 were because I never played or never finished them, as people will know in the audience because they get really annoyed with me about the fact that I. Yeah. Bioshock, I Sh-
1: Bioshock 1 was a groundbreaking game in many respects, but I can understand why it'd be weird to play after Bioshock Infinite as you as you did. Or try yeah, to. As, as we said, it's strange to go back and try and recapture. Yeah. Um,
0: but no, moving on. One of the games that I think, I'm going to say this was the one you were most excited for. That, um,
1: By a country that mile. Before, yep. Uh, was Death
0: Stranding 2 or DS2 or whatever it comes to be uh, known as when it is actually released. <laughs> um, we, got a re- we got a trailer um, for Death Stranding 2 from Kojima Productions. Um Seem to carry on right from the end of Bioshock, Bioshock, right from the end of Death Stranding. <sighs> that I would be a finished, real twist.
1: <laughs> that would be a twist.
0: I haven't finished Death Stranding, so I'm, but it feels like it finishes right on the end. You get layers to do uh, with BB, who's now a baby, not just a BB, um, and they're on the run. Is that fair to say that follows on directly um, from the end of Death Stranding?
1: I w- I would actually say no. Like Death Stranding's okay. ending is a little bit more like peaceful. For want of a better way of putting it, um, right. there's nothing. Uh, uh, very minor spoilers here, I know, because uh, but there's nothing in Death Surrounding One that suggests that there would be a reason for Lou to be in the care of Fragile. Um, like Lou is with um, Sam at the end of the game, and like then there's no kind of real immediate threat to uh, like okay. their existence. Namely, because what looks like the is going to be the antagonistic presence of this game, obviously, doesn't exist in any form in. Death Stranding one, that no, we know of. which is uh, what
0: is that the um, shit the bridge thing? What is it called? Oh,
1: your th- drawbridge. Drawbridge is no, how know, is, my, my interpretation of drawbridge is that like that's the new bridges. Ah, um, oh, see, I okay, no, yeah, sorry. Of course it is. Of course that's new bridges. I, just, I had an evil sense when I saw drawbridge. interesting. Well, there's something about the way that big mech sort of like rises out of the water whatever that liquid is that is rather ominous but for me the antagonistic presence were the cult-like group that wear yes. red uh, there's appears to be some kind of like pilgrimage or funeral procession at one they point were the obvious ones though and yeah. the dude who had the uh
0: the like the biological yes the an
1: odor deck that seems to be like like you said biological in nature almost like a squid and yes, he's also but- got like BB style containers over his body that show his exposed organs and, uh, innards. And he's wearing, well, th- they are wearing a mask. I say they, because Troy Baker's voice is being used in the song that's playing. And the implications of this character is playing it because they're holding a guitar. but at the same time, like the facial structure and the hairstyle and the necklace is the exact same as uh Bridget slash Amelie from death stranding one. So that's already very confusing. I don't know what that means.
0: Uh, but that cat, and then the character's got a mask on, and they sort of go to pull it off, and then don't yeah, pull it off right. Exactly, and you get to see old Sam, which is cool with his you old grey hair. Um, which makes which makes no, it, which I, makes I, no
1: I, sense because the baby is like one maybe year old. Aged. So like, there's <laughs> yeah. some bullshit going on there. I can already tell you.
0: Did Leia Cadeau's character get a? Is it uh, fragile? Get a, get a tri- fresh trim in Death Stranding, or is the fresh trim for Death Stranding too? Because she's rocking a little. <laughs> I don't know what you even call it, like a pixie cut or a crew cut. Yeah. She's got
1: a nice short buzz cut going on. I think the haircut was actually the, the least bizarre part of Fragile's appearance, which is that the whole point of, well, a significant part of Fragile's backstory, I can't remember if you got this far in Death Stranding, Jonesy, is that she made some weird deal with Higgs where she had to run through Timefall with no clothes on, yeah. basically, and her entire body was aged and scarred, and now it's Except not. Except for her face, yeah. Apart, apart from her face, and now it's not. I... I so, forgot all about that until you just said it. Yeah. Okay. So there's already weird things about like, okay, well, why is Sam really old if the baby's only one year older? And why is Fragile's body not fucked up? And I think like, you just answered the question. Sam has gone through time and has got, got all old. No, but it's only his and, hair that's old. Not like, you know, it's like he he doesn't, Sam doesn't look like an old man. He just looks like he's gone gray overnight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he he could I think he could have aged maybe like ten years or something. In yeah, which case that could have that could have been a, a a bit of a long sort of splash from time for yeah. no, you're right. Uh Fragile's character is yeah, should have the withered old lady body. And yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um yes. No, I forgot about that. Um it does look wicked though, but I did get a sense of dread from um I forgot it immediately again. The bridge thing. The bridge drawbridge.
1: Drawbridge. Drawbridge is I the name Bridges of the company. Is there is I think it's, it's like begins with an ZZ. M, like the yeah the weird like a weapon to surpass Metal Gear, like the 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 big thing that comes out of the water.
0: I had serious Metal Gear vibes like just seeing yeah. that, and then I was like, oh, are they going to do some weird flip reverse thing where you find out that you're now the bad guy? Blah 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 blah. And yeah, whatever. Anything can happen. It's Kojima. It could go crazy. I've heard
1: theories about alternate universes. I've heard theories about. um People like uh, that. this being a cult who like uh, managed to retrieve like the organs of Higgs, Troy Baker's character from the first one, which is why they're the things that are preserved in the jar and like bringing people back from the dead or like having some like automaton kind of element that can like a robotic version of someone's biological like components. There are lots of obvious hints to like nautical elements, whether it's sea life itself or the water or the fact that uh, Bridges is now like drawbridge and... There's a, you know, some kind of like water-based or water-capable vehicle. Um, we also, um, in a way that kind of reminds me of like the Last of Us 2 trailers and stuff like that, we still don't know anything about how L. Fanning and uh, Shiori Kutsuna will fit into this, and they were the first two members of the cast yep. to actually be revealed. Um, obviously, one of the going theories at the time was that L. Fanning will be um, a grown-up version of Lou, so that'll be interesting to see. Um yeah. No I man it's 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 a
0: um yeah it's a very uh Kojima trailer for a Kojima game yeah. and it even said on it edited by Hideo Kojima so you oh, know yeah.
1: he, he put all the hard work it's in. got all the it's got all the hallmarks like and and you know what I will just sort of just say um about Death Stranding just to just like quickly get off my chest because obviously I care quite a lot about it um is I remember like Chris was on the pod a couple of weeks ago and kind of like fondly reminiscing on the build, about the build up to Death Stranding One and how we'd watch those trailers and all three of us would have arguments about. You remember the famous like what is the purpose of the BB and can a baby yeah. be a battery and like <laughs> we wanted yeah. to break down all that stuff. There was so much intrigue and mystery in those uh, in that in the imagery and in those visuals. And what I love absolutely adore about Kojima, I guess, uh, and specifically this Death Stranding Two trailer is that in the years since the release of Death Stranding 1, he has completely normalized all of those elements that felt so foreign to us in Death Stranding 1. Like, we all know what an Odra deck is and what it does. We all know what a BB or a Bridge Baby is, and we all know that they come from still mothers and they have a connection to the world of the dead, and they can help us be a sense... Beat a sense Beach things or BTs, which you know some people can do quite well already, depending on the level of dooms they have, and some people just sense them, and some people see them, and they cause cataclysmic world events if like bodies are kind of touched by BTs and allowed to blow up, and and bl- all that stuff that was a mystery to us during those trailers is now completely normalised, and we know all those terminologies, and we know all those um you know the the, the descriptions of all those things, and yet here's another trailer that just says. Yeah, I'm just going to make you re-question everything you thought you knew again. I <laughs> like, uh, so, okay, you know what a BB is. You know why they, we put them in those jars, and like why you would plug into one and what it's for, and stuff like that. Uh, why do you think there's a squid in one, huh? Why do you think there's an octopus in one? And it's like, yeah, you're right. I have no fucking clue why there's a squid or an <laughs> octopus in that jar. Like, what the? Fu- and that's what I love about Kojima, I guess. Yes. No, um,
0: I I know. I, watching that trailer, I was like, damn, I need to finish. Death Stranding One. I think I've got 20 hours to go. I'm like, I'm only halfway through. Like, I have to go back and forget that game finished because um, I really liked playing it. I really enjoyed it. And the only reason I stopped playing it was because it was it was very long and more stuff was coming out. Yeah. Um, but I do really need to get back to that. Um, but anyway, hey, let's uh, let's move on from um Kojima to something we've already teased you with, uh, which is Armored Core Six. Fires of Rubicon, which is going to be the next game from From Software. Um, And it is the first game since uh, 2013, the first Armored Core game since 2013, um, which was, I can even tell you, Armored Core Verdict Day. Uh, Yeah, a little bit surprising because obviously they've been a lot more into their slashy fighty fighty games more recently. Mm, But
1: hey. And considering there were rumors of Elden Ring DLC um, coming up into the event, which Obviously, will probably still be a thing, but yeah, like this was a something that I think most people thought would happen at some point, but a really interesting one, and also just really fascinating because from software and then the nature of that company and their, most importantly their reputation have changed drastically since that last Armored Core game you mentioned, which you know I think t- in terms of the timeline came out, you know, at a similar time to came out the year after Dark Souls. And I think, actually, if you look at when in the years they released, it's like about six months after Dark Souls. So really, we're talking about the first, like, the, the, the first, as you, what was the terminology you just used? Like, hacky slashy? Yes. Yeah, we're looking at the first non-hacky slashy from software game since they became the hacky slashy people, right? So, well,
0: although t- maybe not because, of course. Um, so, I think it was so Armored Core was leaked, teased, whatever, back mm. in January. Um, but they did then say that they were taking a new direction on the series and that it would be more hacky slashy than it than it used to be. But still, um, like <laughs> following the success of Dark Souls, Elden Ring, so it's going to be
1: interesting. That's the fascinating thing, right? Is like, like obviously they're going to dark soulsify Armored Core a little bit, but how far in that direction do they go? What kind of game is it, and does it work? I think it's a really bold choice for them. I'm excited by it in some weird kind of like off kilter way. It's
0: one of those. It is. It's interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. it could end up being horrendous. Like It could could just go so wrong because it's an amalgamation of like totally different types of formats of games, but they're going to try and bring in some of their, um, you know, some of the success that they've had with uh, Dark Souls, with Elden Ring. And if they try and bring that into a a very different style of game, it could just not work. But yeah, it could be absolutely fantastic. And it could be, hey, everyone sort of starts talking about how amazing Armored Core is um, and totally get on board with it. And we're at that weird inflection point where we don't really know which way it's going to go, which is always an exciting
1: time. We're also we're in that lovely inflection point where like people now have like fucking t minus a year or whatever to start convincing everyone that they've been lifelong Armored Core fans when well, we all know that's a lie and they've never played one before. I, I was trying to think, I don't think I've ever actually played an Armored Core game. Um, no, the closest I came is sorry, go for it,
0: Mech Warrior. I was gonna say I've played Mech Warrior, I've played, I've played uh, similar Mech Warrior type games, but I don't think I've ever played Armored Core.
1: The game I have played was uh, they released a game called Chrome Hounds. It was still a From Software game and it was still a Met game, but it wasn't in the Armored Core series. That was like an early 360 title. So I remember like being like, "Oh, I'm going to play this because I want a game to play on my 360." Um, and like obviously, like the, I played like the closest I came in terms of mech games. Is I played like some of the Zone of the Enders games a little bit back in the day. I think via a demo. I don't think I ever actually owned a Zone of the Enders game. Chris knows more about them than me, but yeah, I can't pretend to have touched Armored Core really in any meaningful way. Um, and when I look at the Metacritics, I can like I can see why I'm like, oh, like yeah, there was one on the 360 in the PS3, and it got like a six out of ten on Metacritic. So like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I wasn't over the moon about Armored Core Five or Four or whatever the case may be.
0: That, well, that's what we were, we were sort of saying. We've said multiple times in this podcast before. It's interesting when a uh, a game Gets a new, or sorry, a franchise gets a new game. And back when those games were coming out more, more regularly, they weren't getting much love, but there's been enough time passed that people have this like nostalgia for the series. And also the company might've come on and then suddenly everyone, like you said, everyone starts saying, I'm so excited for this. And it kind of gets a little weird. And yeah. then we're all like, are we really getting this excited about this? But hey, apparently, I don't know. I don't and, know where and, we're at And yet. this is
1: a real one of those. This isn't like when you had that conspiracy theory about Metro Prime. Like, <laughs> no one actually likes Metro Prime. People do. Armored Core, I'm it's less certain thing. about. Um, it's, it's also, bigger, it's supremely it's, weird to have a game called this when you live in a country where there's a drink called Rubicon. It throws me off every time, <laughs> hearing Armored Core 6 fires of Rubicon. There's also a... Well, because Crossing the Rubicon is the... Um,
0: it's the Rome thing isn't it it's when that beca- it was the uh, oh, it's, I can't remember it's like crossing the, the Rubicon the river and then they all um, oh, 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 the
1: shit hit the fan mm. that maybe that's what this is drawn from then not the mango May- drink <laughs> maybe not the mango drink um, then
0: I want to talk about next Diablo 4 Chris isn't here but we're going to mention it anyway um, we didn't get to see much of Diablo 4 but we did get a lovely performance from Halsey um, as Lilith yeah, I Diablo guess so. 4. Yeah, um, is the, is Lilith a character in Diablo? Is this amazing? I think Lilith
1: is that that big devil-looking woman who's in a lot of the key uh, art and was in that one trailer. Um, but Diablo to, Four is, is supposed
0: to be taking out. a bit of a departure, right, from the Diablo uh, from Diablo um, Three. It's supposed to be a little bit different.
1: I think it's meant to be a little bit different. I, from the footage I've seen so far, it doesn't look drastically different. I think the fundamentals still uh, apply in a lot of cases, but obviously they're kind of going for the the hoping to at least go for the bigger and better route, like there are far more open world trappings in Diablo four than I think predecessors have had. Um but I, I think a lot of the fundamentals remain kind of in place. Which isn't a bad thing because like I I personally, even as someone who was late to the party on Diablo three, I'm not like Chris who was a day one Diablo three guy for all for a sins. Um I think there's a that June, which is the the release date was confirmed to be June sixth, right? Um and like that feels like a, a good time to get a new Diablo game I played a little bit of that Diablo Immortal mobile game when that came out and of I was course, like of yeah, course yeah yeah I was like I don't want to go Quite down this rabbit it. hole but I will play a new Diablo game and we're getting one in six months time so I can't complain
0: <sighs> yeah I'm not going to go anywhere near
1: that <laughs> at all I'm <laughs> um, no, like, oh, Jameson, do you sound- have Diablo- to. I know you weren't huge on Diablo three, but like,
0: Ah, oh, Diablo three was so boring, man. It was such a like a there wasn't it wasn't a game. There was nothing to do. It, you usually got to watch as your character ran around killing people. It's like well, I what mean,
1: am I playing there's thing? still gonna be a bit of that. But what if we could tempt you with a uh, um, a beta? I'll, I'll have a dabble in a beta. Okay, okay. I'll I think like there that. will be one. I think you have to pre order <laughs> at the moment to get access, but I'm sure there'll be something for for cheapskates like you. <laughs> so, okay, uh, something that I
0: should have been into, and I just was not, and mm-hmm. it didn't really do anything for me. And I'm, and this isn't the game's fault. This is my fault. But um, we saw the DLC for Horizon Forbidden West: Burning Shores. Yeah, um, and we're in Hollywood. The Hollywood signs getting knocked over. More big, crazy mechs uh, going after Aloy. It looked wicked. I didn't really feel it though. If I'm being
1: that's fair enough. I think it's one of those things where there wasn't a lot specifically in this trailer for anyone to really go off. It was just a reminder, of like, they, they hey this is more horizon in a different place and one you might recognise for these reasons, but that's also just going to be tied to how much you got from the core cool game, which I if I remember rightly, like you didn't dislike per se, but I think you kind of fell off it, right?
0: I just had to stop playing. I got really ill with COVID and how I was couldn't play it for like course. two months. And so and then I, I haven't gone back to it since, and I think I only made it. I only made it for like maybe like six or seven hours into that game. Um, so, I, so yeah, maybe if I get back into it, then the then Burning Shores DLC will will do it for me. But I, I feel like I feel like in general, Forbidden West has gotten some like a bit of a rough end of the stick. Yeah, like it felt like it was nominated in a lot of the game categories, almost like it should be because it was a big, expensive AAA title. But there was nothing wrong with that game from what I played. It was it was just as good as the first instalment, but. Yeah, I don't know why it got like a bit of a negative.
1: I don't know either, Josie. Like, I'd go one step further and and say I genuinely, really, really liked large parts of Horizon Forbidden West. Maybe there's a part of it where, much like with um, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, I know it was a kind of a joke at the time, um, but like launching alongside the most critically acclaimed game of the year, like obviously, doesn't do a huge amount of favors. Happen with. Zero Dawn and and Breath of the Wild and now Forbidden West with Elden Ring. But I kind of think that's like kind of a almost like a memey kind of thing, like, ha, look at Horizon, it launched alongside a great game again. But like that just just does just seem to be this strange thing where like ten months pass from Horizon and people start to reflect on it as a somewhat generic open world third person action adventure game when I actually thought it had a lot more personality and a lot more qualities than, you know, something you know, as average as that kind of like labelling would suggest. Um, I but I I can't answer it. I I because I I didn't. It's not something I experienced. It's probably my second or third favorite game of the year, and so I don't know why. But I I, I still felt exactly what you're feeling. Like it got token nominations, and that people weren't really into it. Um. So wow. yeah, I don't know.
0: I think may hey maybe burning shores will give it like a little bit of breathing space and then people maybe. will jump back into it and be like oh no hey this game was actually really good which what I hope happens yeah I, I hope, hope, that's yeah, I as
1: hope as so well. it is I, I I genuinely think it's a great game um yeah genuinely. and it's coming April nineteenth so it's
0: not even that long to wait really only a few months but, yeah um, that'll be that'll be coming out um Final Fantasy sixteen Jamie mm. how are you feeling about that a uh, Final uh, Fantasy 16 man.
1: I don't know yet. I, Do I you don't, like medieval well, Japanese you games? See, that, that's the fucked up thing. Is like you think you're trying to like get a grasp of what it means to be a Final Fantasy guy, and all of a sudden, Final Fantasy 15 to 16 jumps from these cool dudes with emo haircuts, right, driving around in a car and fishing all day. And now it's like, we're going back. At, so I, I have no idea what the chronology on this thing is. I have no idea of like, the, the timeline, which characters I should know, which characters I shouldn't. All I can tell you is that there is something visually about Final Fantasy sixteen that is actually pretty darn cool. And the more I sit down and I'm forced to watch these trailers, which sounds like a negative thing to go in saying, forced to watch, but like it does feel like that sometimes. I'm like, actually, like some of this combat looks really cool, and the scale of some of these kaiju does clashes, really cool. like... like this is massive. This is like God of War three like scale epic battles. I'm like okay, like all right. It feels like the, this kind of thing where if kind of like with Final Fantasy seven remake, if it comes out and it reviews well and it's got a real time combat system, then fuck it, I'm in. Like yeah, like I'm I'm down to kill whatever and you need me to kill in whatever year it is and whatever and to you know avenge the death of whichever child like just point me in the direction <laughs> of the monsters. I tried to hop into uh some of the Final Fantasy
0: lore because I, I played 15 um and I I enjoyed it and I was getting into it and it's got much more of a real time combat system also mm-hmm. like a uh, um you can ha- you know less of that like you can kind of do a bit of um if you want you can go a bit more old school and like freeze time and sort of decide on what you're going to do yeah. or you can like have your um uh your real time mm-hmm. combat. And I was into it, um, but yeah, it was such a weird, like, thing to hop into and feel like I've missed so much. I need to, mm. I need to, like, learn about where, the, what the hell is going on? Who am I? What am I doing? You have to watch but the even movie even for to, that.
1: There's a Final it, Fantasy 15 movie with Aaron Paul. Even trying to
0: read the lore, I'm like, dude, this is so complicated.
1: Yeah, but. Oh uh, yeah, and like I, I, I tried to. You'll remember I tried to stick with it for seven remake, and I had an okay time with that game, but I did end up being very pissed off by the end of it. Um, so it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. If I don't know anymore. Something else that looked
0: uh, pretty wicked and is sure to be a lot of fun to play was Tekken Eight, um, which looked as good as you'd expect a Tekken game of uh, coming out in like twenty twenty three to look. It looked. It looks amazing. It looks incredible.
1: Yeah, really sharp, like action, looks, combat looks great. We, I remember that trailer being in a state of play a few months ago, and we were like, eh, how good is it going to look? And it increasingly does appear as though it's going to look as good as it looks, which is really encouraging. And I, I'm down for more Tekken. Like, Tekken's great. Tekken's a, a fun, mostly accessible, especially when you're, accessible when you're playing against your mates, um, fighting game. So, hell yeah. See, I'm thinking that I might hold off on Tekken and... So I, I can
0: get into a fighting game, but I kind of I don't want to get into multiple fighting games at the same time. I think this coming year for me it's going to be Street Fighter Six.
1: Interesting, because that's also uh, well, Tekken doesn't have a release date yet, but Street Fighter's confirmed to be coming out on June second. So um, it does appear as though yes, it's going to be the year of Tekken versus Street Fighter. Not not actual Tekken versus Street Fighter, but in a <laughs> that less would be fris- cool though. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, because they, they did Street Fighter versus Tekken, right? But they never did Tekken versus Street Fighter. Is that it? I've get confused. i got, got no
0: idea. They've, I think the last Street Fighter game I properly played was probably Street Fighter 2, so it's been a I while. Mean,
1: yeah, the Street Fighter 6 seems really good as well, from what I've seen. There's been a beta for that already. I watched some footage. Like, I think what both games are really nailing, nailing at the moment is the visuals and the art style. Um, I think they're both really attractive games to look at, which is a cool starting point, at least, I guess, for a fighting game, if not the most important thing. It's what's pipped it for me is the art
0: style, I think, of Street Fighter Six VI has mm-hmm. um, is, is taken it in an interesting way that I'm like, okay, I want to I want to do this. Whereas I think Tekken is much more, it, it looks amazing from what I remember playing as a kid, but it's like, I haven't played it for a, a decent number of years, Well, like 10, 15, no, probably about 10 years now since I've played, like seriously played a Tekken game. Um, and it looks like they've gone down that path and it looks amazing, but Street Fighter to me just looks like something absolutely insane I'm like, no, let's do it. This is the year, Street Fighter Six. Let's go.
1: Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how you get on your, know, your fighting game adventure. I wish nice. we had another round game to throw into the mix. Can you imagine if we got a Street Fighter Tekken and a Mortal Kombat in the same year.
0: <sighs> to be honest, I, I, I still play Mortal Kombat like semi, not regularly, but I play every few months. I, I pick up uh, Mortal Kombat. What, am I, what am I playing at the moment? Ten, mm. probably still. Uh, um, so I don't think I'd be enough far enough away. Eleven, from- I think. Have I got eleven? I, I, I think you do have eleven. I oh, know. I think we did because we got. Yeah, I think we got that. I think we got. We, it for, we were um,
1: getting thrown codes for eleven at various points because yes, there was so much DLC. You are and, correct. Um, With Terminator and Rocky and all that sort of stuff. Is it Rocky? Rambo. It's Definitely I think. Terminator.
0: Or, Rambo. I don't, Rambo, I don't, I don't know. I could be making it up the joke. The joke than
1: Rocky and Spawn. Do you remember, we went to play Spawn. That was one of the ah, last yes. in-person things we did before uh, COVID. You and I. Yeah. No.
0: That was that was very cool. Spawn was very cool. Um, yeah. A trailer for a game that I think uh, I was really excited for and I know you've played and I think Chris has played as well um, was Star Wars Jedi Survivor because um, Fallen Order we I think all enjoyed thought was very good. Um, I didn't finish it until sort of like six months ago. Right. Um, yeah. And absolutely loved it in the end. Like was a bit unsure halfway through then finished it and was like this is incredible and I'm psyched for um, Jedi Survivor because it's I, they've they've done, all, they've done those things that I love in trailers as well which is they've shown off the double-ended lightsaber they've shown off the dual wielding they've shown off like uh Cal Kestis has a beard and they've shown <laughs> off like a bigger environment and more exciting stuff and then you know the um, stormtroopers saying like oh or you're not sorry not stormtroopers like the I guess they're the the inquisitors I guess is, is who they are sure. sort of being like your, your uh, kind are supposed to be dead and then it's just like building it all for this extra like you know Jumping back into that world, flying around again, and just fucking people up with a lightsaber, which I'm I'm pretty psyched about.
1: Yeah, totally. could not agree more. I think like Fallen Order was a super solid foundation upon which to like b- build upon in terms of the next game in the uh, the series. And I think that Respawn are also a really cool studio to you know, to give them the time and the space and the to 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 do so. I'm really interested to see how they develop this and push it forward, like both in terms of the sort of. The sort of the some of the sort more souls born trappings, that combat system, the traversal, especially like you mentioned, some of the more open areas. There's that one shot of Cal kind of like clinging to I don't know the Star Wars terminology, but a pterodactyl like flying thing. Um, and there's also the footage of him riding what looks like a chocobo. Um, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, okay, yeah, like more open areas, more means for traversal, like. An expanded and deeper combat system, you know, having the uh, the dual wielding lightsabers from the start. One of the things that they didn't show, uh, I pointed out to you guys, I kind of thought they'd tease it, but I don't think they even teased it because maybe it's cosmetic. I'd be disappointed if so. But in the key art, Cal Kestis has a blaster attached to his um, side. I remember you saying about that because I was looking out for it in the trailer. They, they yeah. never show it. So I'm like, is that right, going to be he's like got a buddy? A, he does have a buddy. What, like the, the droid that goes on his shoulder? No, the fella. Who's the dude? Oh, you're trailer. right. He, throw, he does some, like, God of War, like, I'm going to fling you and you're going to hit them style shit towards the yes. end of the trailer, isn't he? So, yeah. Um, interesting. I, I I hope they also find, like, you know, a, a, an engaging story kind of, you know, within that um, within that world to tell. Because, you know, Lord knows there's been a lot of Star Wars material in recent years, so I hope they find something unique and interesting and engaging in its own right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, and March doesn't feel that far away all of a sudden, so if I can bring it on, right? Yeah, not at all. And um, one thing I thought was quite funny was when
0: Cal Kestis, when the actor who plays him, I can't remember who, uh,
1: is, it, is it Cameron Monaghan? I think you're right, yeah. That sounds very familiar. Uh,
0: I read that. I didn't remember it. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Um uh, I didn't realize that Cal Kestis was like based at, physically on the actor. So when mm. he came out with the lightsaber, at first I thought it was Jeff with a lightsaber because it was like <laughs> he, that. shaking and it can, and
1: kissing it, and
0: yeah, and I was like, "What's Jeff doing?" And then it, then the lights came up, and it's this. It's, I was like, "Holy shit!" It's Cal Kestis, but it's actually the dude and it's the actor. Yeah. it was Count. Uh, yeah, Cameron Warner. He, he then, was he was, was in the was
1: Gotham funny. TV show. I think you end up being like the young Joker or something like that, which is why I recognized him. Um, I never watched that show, but I remember those clips kind of going viral and stuff. But yeah. I would have enjoyed Jeff doing it more though.
0: (laughs) It would have been funny. Um, Okay, let's move on to uh, Dead Cells because Return to Castlevania DLC is coming to Dead Cells. Another roguelike that I just, I could not get in my
1: teeth into. It's a shame, Um, man. That's um, That's one of the best feeling, best playing roguelikes... Of all time, um, and yeah. it's something I haven't dipped back into for a long time. So, if this because they they've described it as I think the largest and most ambitious uh, DLC that they've done for Dead Cells thus far, um, and so it's interesting that they're going this route of like, hey, we're just going to keep supporting this game with massive DLC drops, rather than like, hey, we're going to try and find a way to do what 80s did, for example, and put a number two after the name Dead Cells, which also would have been very cool. But this is. You know, if this is the approach, then I'm down for it. Yeah. I
0: I want, I want, would love to be more into it, but like I said, it's, just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Not everything would be for everyone. Not my cup of tea. But um, something else that I've got no idea what it would be like and I don't think I'm going to be playing is a, a roguelike Hellboy uh, Web of Weird. Um, sorry, roguelite. I always get those things mixed up. I um, mean, the... kind of the same thing, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, action adventure game in partnership with Mike Mignolia, uh, Mignola. Um, yeah, again, what I had no idea this was even a thing, to be fair.
1: I think this was actually in the pre show, but yeah, it, like, obviously, with Mike Mignola's um, involvement, it's kind of got that uh, the art style that's very faithful to the original source material, but nothing about the bits of gameplay they showed off looked that exciting. Maybe I'm being harsh, but. Um, still no, something I think in the that's Hellboy fair. license it's alright um, something that I knew I, as soon as I saw it I was like holy shit people are going to lose
0: their minds because of how how excited people are um, how much people like Celeste uh, which is Earthblade um, which is set to come out in 2024 uh, were you a Celeste player?
1: do you know what the weird thing was like I'm, I'm a Celeste admirer but n- never a Celeste player okay. it was just one of those things that I thought oh I've got to play that at some point and all of a sudden you're thrown ways to play it whether it's like Available on PlayStation Plus, whether it's on Game Pass, and knowing you can play it at any point makes you really relaxed about when you actually play it, and you end up right. never playing it. So I admire it very greatly. Like I love the idea of a, um, like the, having a like relatively like a simple and an approachable art style that then gives way to these like increasingly more hardcore and challenging uh, uh, platforming puzzles. Um, from what I have come to understand of the overarching story and some of the themes that are kind of like Baked Within Celeste, I've got a lot of time for those. So I've always been an admirer, but not a player. Um, I wonder if that's going to be the same with Earthblade. We'll see. Um, hard to tell at the moment. We need to see a bit more, but you're right. There's going to be a group of people out there that are going nuts over this, and fair play. Uh, another. Well,
0: I think people will be going nuts over this as well, but on a smaller scale, which is Baldur's Gate 3, which is coming out... Obviously, a lot of the issues they've had with um, uh, delays and stuff. Baldur's Gate three will be dropping August twenty three. Yeah, I I don't know much about Baldur's Gate to be honest. The only um, um, I've seen uh, a few trailers for it and stuff. It's pretty much like a tabletop esque uh, fantasy type thing, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes. Um, But obviously, the the difference here is that Baldur's Gate three is this time is being developed by. Larian Studios of uh Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 fame. So um it it kind of puts it in this weird spot for me where much like Divinity Original Sin both 1 and 2 I was kind of like looking at these as you as you said these kind of tabletop RPGs uh that people were telling me were some of the best games of all time getting absolutely rave reviews um like some people really 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 love the original sin games and I never touched them and so there's this element of Bordersgate 3 that kind of like gives me the same vibe and doesn't attract me in the same way that those games didn't attract me. But I gather that this will still be a big deal, both for Larian fans, but also for Border's Gate fans. And it is weird that it's kind of taken three years for it to fully come out. It's meant that everything's felt a bit muted. But at the same time, like I I wouldn't put it past them to come out to get a flurry of reviews of the, hey, this is the final released 1.0 version of the game all those reviews being like nines and tens, it ends up being one of, if not the best reviewed game of the entire year. And all of a sudden, like whether you like it or not, it's here. And you know, that something like that could very easily happen as far as I can tell.
0: Um, something that I don't, I didn't know that I wanted Jamie, and I still don't think I do is uh, crash team rumble, <sighs> which is uh, a four by four combat game in the crash bandicoot universe. Um, yeah.
1: I'm, with I'm you. not sure about this. No, I, I I don't even know if I wanted another Crash game necessarily, necessarily let alone a Crash 4v4 combat game.
0: It definitely sounds a little weird. It, um, the trailer didn't really give away enough of how this will play/slash feel. True. Um, if, as you can imagine, it gave away like, you know, it looks exactly what you'd imagine. There's an arena, and there's four of you from one side, four of you from another fighting. But I always think with these games, it comes down to the nitty gritty of how you like the one-on-one combat is going to feel when you're actually in there playing it. Because it could be wicked, it could be shit. But um, yeah, I think at the moment it's just trying to be a lot, a bit. Um, hey, it's Crash, and they're going to dine out on that name if they can.
1: I, I, I think they can. People, as it turns out, really fucking like Crash. They don't like him so much when it's an actor wearing a like outfit pretending to be Crash <laughs> and telling bad jokes. But I gather that in the video game form, he's quite popular. That was funny, man, <laughs> to be fair. I thought this was quite a good suit.
0: It was quite it was, a good mascot suit. It was suit. a
1: good suit with bad jokes. Um, it was, the, and that's, the jokes a, that's a rough great. combo on a stage show like that. Like, you can't have Al Pacino out at one end of the show and have a guy in a Crash Bandicoot costume at the other. Like, it doesn't, doesn't have work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it was a little odd. Um, the
0: game that is remaking itself, uh, like, one day at a time, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, Phantom Liberty uh, has been revealed and Idris Elba has joined the uh, all-star cast.
1: Mm, it and it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Can I just say, I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion amongst some people, but the whole CD Projekt Red, like stunt casting things like, hey, we're going to reveal that one of our characters is unnecessarily played by a super A-lister. <laughs> I'm so down for it. I love it. I Me love too. geeking out over this shit. With
0: someone someone that we'll mention in the what the fuck went even harder than uh CD Project Red do, um which we'll mention yes. later on with that kind of like super A-Lister sort of thing.
1: Well uh, the A-Lister? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: listers. Maybe, maybe if maybe if letters. we were
1: currently living in the year that game is set in then um <laughs> then we they might be talking about A-Listers, but yeah.
0: But no, it, hey, I'm torn on Idris Elba to be fair. He's a little bit Troy Baker in the sense of he's in everything nowadays. Um, he's overused and there's only so much gruff Troy ba- uh, Idris Elba voice I can take. Um, yeah. But I think he fits in this, well, in this world well um, and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, yeah. for a cool new uh, addition to Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, I since. hope it's good. No, me, me too, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. No, no, not a crazy bottom line to have, but yeah, I hope it's good. Finally, Jamie, we also got to see um, a trailer for uh, long-awaited, is maybe the wrong way to say it. I don't know if it's how long it's actually been, but a Replaced got to be a trailer. Um, it did. It's been a little bit of a weird one with, uh, we were talking about this before the pod, but Replaced, The Last Night, these sort of side-scrolling, cyberpunk-esque um, pixel art, very cool, very uh, sort of almost noir um games that were supposed to be coming out, and then. Yeah, we were in a situation where when was it? Like five years ago, six years ago, we got a really cool trailer for the last night. Oh God, yeah, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. Replaced seemed to then replace uh, the last night in our minds because it seemed that last night was never actually going to come out. Um, we then didn't know if replaced was going to actually come out or not. Um, but we got another trailer for it in the pregame for the um, the Game Awards, which is which is really exciting because it's a f- amazing. Looking game, I can't stress that enough. I'm going to put more stank on it. An amazing looking um, uh, side-scrolling faux 3D, sometimes perspective shifting,
1: yeah, futuristic game. I think it was those perspective shifts that you mentioned that kind of like really hit home the quality of what's going on here. It's kind of that fascinating idea of what if we built, you know, this really detailed pixel art <laughs> style world, uh, but clearly built it in an engine where we can apply sort of like Slightly more three D, you know, ideas to both not just like the, say the angles of presentation we look at, but clearly also like the lighting models and reflections and the way lots of things works. So like it worked, it was like a super like advanced, you know, super well realized version of a pixel art style world, and that was just really cool to see. And you're right, like for as long as the last night is is um, a wall, which um, I'm looking at it now. It's I think the last night was kind of. But it had its blow-up at E 3 2017, so five and a half years ago. Um, yep. But obviously, it was in development for many years before that. Um, and I don't think we heard anything from the developers of that game for the entirety of twenty twenty two. So, for long live replaced, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't know what the deal with the last night is. I hope we get it at some point, obviously. But yeah, but last night is still in development.
0: Um, but it it is, is, it it's it's. It's it's I think it's now completely sort of shifted from and I think they've even said that the game that they end up releasing will not be the game that you saw um at E3. It will be it'll be a different thing because that was a vertical slice of a game, it never existed. It was more like them ideating on what they wanted to create, and so the reality of what you see finally will be something completely different. Yeah. And so then I think replaced coming along and sort of filling that niche of of giving us what we wanted, because everyone was super excited, sort of almost surprisingly think of how much we all wanted a game like um, the last night. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. replaced the name is foreshadowing because they knew that it was going to replace the last night,
1: but that might it be seems like it's going it to be a real does, thing. It does work, yeah. It, it's I mean, coming it's to Game
0: co- Pass next year.
1: Yeah, it's coming out. I, one thing I'd actually completely forgotten about, but I think we did talk about at the time, was that the thing that pushed it from 2022 to 2023 was the fact that uh, the developers, Soundcat Studio, are based in Belarus, and uh, it, the Russia's invasion of Ukraine had an impact on development, um, right? And uh, that was one of the things that, uh, for the safety of them and their families, they had to relocate and then restart work on replace once they had done so in around May time. So yeah, kind of nuts. That sucks. the The number of um, not just them, but like the number of companies that have been affected
0: by that, like Ukrainian companies as well, have been like yeah, totally. You know, in, in real shit because of uh, global politics is is yeah is trash um but hey enough about that let's move on let's talk about something else to trash let's talk about Bayonetta origins uh Cereza Cereza I don't know how to say it, and the lost demon um so this is as you as it sounds the origins of Bayonetta young Bayonetta a girl Bayonetta if you like before she got all sloshy and and sexy with her glasses she was a child just to make you feel really weird about your uh Bayonetta fantasies oh yeah um and now she's um, in a very different style of game, um, showing off some, yeah, more more focus on a different art style and some puzzle solving. Not my bag at all. I saw this, I was like, what have they done with this yeah. character?
1: I, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, this is like a cool get for the Game Awards. Like it's a new Bayonetta game immediately after Bayonetta 3. And the more we saw of it, the more I was like, this is for a lot of people. And I'm not one of them. And that's fine sometimes, you know, that not every game is going to be for you. Um, but I had very little interest, even to begin with, in sort of like a Bayonetta prequel or origin story, let alone one that seems to be, I don't mind the art style. Like it wasn't, it's not an ugly game by any means, but nothing about it sort of jumped out me as me, as, as something I need to play. Um, but I'm, I'm going to put it out there, Jamie. Yeah. Somebody came to them and said,
0: I've got this cool game. And they said, amazing. Can we put, bayonetta into it somehow to so make it so we can sell it yeah or can we and, make it young bayonetta? And,
1: and then they said how much will um how much will you pay us to put bayonetta into it and they said th- and they said four thousand dollars for the entire thing and that's our final offer and then that person went out <laughs> to the internet made a bunch of videos on twitter and said i have been offered an insulting amount of money to have bayonetta <laughs> put in my game um and then jason try actually came out and outed them as a, a rat and a liar Crazy wow. talents. I'm, I'm, I'm being, j- I'm teasing. Obviously. A rat and a liar. I'm te- Just- no Helena the is not a rat. She may well still be a liar, but that is up for, you, for the people to decide. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh come on! That was a, that was the low hanging fruit. That is the thing. It was, stuff. of course, it was. No, I'm only, I'm only teasing.
0: Yeah. No, it was very low hanging fruit, and she was a, She did turn out to be. She
1: did. T- she did technically. No,
0: let's let's be nice. She she turned out to be real fucking bad at maths. That's yes. Nice. Uh, and she something she may
1: even potentially obscured some parts of the whole truth that may have been relevant to the you know the the story I had. Something that will be relevant to a lot of people, Jamie, is that Returnal and The Last of
0: Us Part 1 are coming to PC in early 2023. Mm, yeah. So those PC gamers um can be excited because they're going to get to play two absolute bangers. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Those are two games that people should play and there may well be people with PCs who have never played either of them. So do both. Um, Fuck it.
0: Something that we've spoken about a bit this year, because it was supposed to be coming out this year and then it got bumped. Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League got a uh, cinematic trailer. Felt a little bit like the only reason this was there was to pay homage to um, Kevin... Conroy. Conroy, thank you. Um... Yes, the the epic voice dancer, Kevin Conroy, who is going to be Batman in uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, despite the fact that he unfortunately died this year. Um, That game still seems like a completely unknown quantity. This was a cinematic, again, it wasn't gameplay, but it did feel like it was there just to kind of remind us that it's still being made and to give a little shout out to Kevin Conroy. So that was nice. Um,
1: Yes. In, In fact, I'd go so far as to say I was almost angry at the nature of this trailer until it became clear that it was a Kevin Conroy tribute. In which case, I was like, oh, okay, that's such a really nice gesture. Nice to have it confirmed. That, you know This may well be the last Kevin Conroy outing we get to hear as Batman. Um, I'm not sure if that's confirmed to be the last one ever, but um, certainly the last game you'd imagine. Um, and so in that case, like, yeah, it's a really nice touch. Um, the other weird thing about this, that I don't know how many people noticed this, but they did actually announce the release date alongside this. It wasn't in the trailer. The trailer uh. That's the thing. The trailer goes to a title card that says, thank you, Kevin. And then they cut back to Keeley, and Keeley announces the release date, which is May twenty sixth. So they, you know, they, okay, they've, they've they've put a date on it, and it's you know six months away. So let's see what happens. Um, one thing I'm going to mention as well, though,
0: talking about voice mm. actors, you mentioned the fact um, you were playing Gotham Knights. At I am. Yeah, you started playing Gotham Knights. Have you had any interactions with Harley Quinn yet? I have. Yeah. Um, one thing, cause I, I watched this after the fact, I didn't watch it until the day after the game awards. Uh, I watched it on my TV, uh, through YouTube app. And so I was watching the trailers and, you know, I was watching the show and when it came to this little bit and, and Harley is talking, uh, my wife, who's, you know, as all most women are fans of Harley Quinn, they love the fact that she's a rogue agent, that she's smashing people up with a baseball bat. Sure. Uh, my wife turned to me and went, well, she's a shit Harley Quinn, isn't she?
1: Oh right! Is and it I thought,
0: I thought actually she's not great, and the one in Gotham Knights is probably a lot better, which is ironic. See,
1: I, I do this dumb thing where I just assume that like um, the same person does it, basically like all the kind of like a Kevin Conroy situation, where like in almost all situations someone did do it. Although I did also do the thing where I looked up to see if Kevin Conroy was um, Batman in Gotham Knights, and he isn't. Um, so no, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. This will, is the wrong. name I kind of had, not, didn't have in my head, obviously, but was like I recognised now. I see it. Tara Strong is Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League,
0: and um, it is Carrie Walgren in um, in uh, Gotham Knights.
1: Yes, um, and I, I want to say Walgren put in a hell of a performance. See, I, I'm I'm not here to to, to su- suggest that uh, your wife's uh, ear was off, but I I feel like this like Tara Strong has been like the de facto Harley Quinn for a long time. I'm just about to fact check that.
0: I I didn't like it. I was the same. I didn't like it. I didn't think it's, I didn't think she sounded that great. Maybe it's because I just finished Gotham Knights. So I was like, I was, you know, fresh with a Carrie still in my head.
1: She has been Harley Quinn in, uh, Justice League action, apparently, which is a TV show, uh, DC superhero girls, uh, a bunch of robot chicken stuff, apparently. All the all the Lego DC stuff. She was Harley Quinn, um, Batman Ninja, some Scooby Doo thing. But in the video games, she obviously this makes sense with it being Rocksteady in the Arkhamverse. She was the yep. Arkham City um, uh, and Arkham oh, Origins Harley one. Quinn, and the Arkham bad Knight one. Harley Quinn. Was that oh, bad? Arkham, no, okay, no, she,
0: no, Arkham Knight wasn't bad. <laughs> City was bad.
1: Was the same? No origins. Sorry, origins was bad. Oh yeah, origins okay. was the bad one. City was the middle one. But she was the, uh, Harley Quinn in all of them, as well as um, things like Injustice: Ooh. Gods Among Us. The um,
0: oh, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it was maybe it was our ears. And, and, and Injustice what, too. I've been- I've been forcing Gotham Knights, Carrie Walgren, uh, Harley Quinn into our ears. And so this is different.
1: That's the thing. One thing I will say in your, both of your defenses that like that Harley Quinn voices must be so hard to get right because there's such a fine line between the kind of that kind of unsettling off kilter kind of nasally voice and something that just kind of like hits your ear in the wrong way and you don't like it. And I could totally see why if you just spent like 30 hours listening to one and then got a trailer for another, you'd be like, what is that? Yeah. It is like a very
0: distinctive voice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um yeah, very, very much of a Also which's been completely stolen by uh uh Margot Robbie in
1: right. recent years, yeah. of course. And even her, like the one part of her Margot Robbie sort of these, excuse me, her Harley Quinn sort of like performance that I've never been a thousand percent sold on is the voice. I think the right. look I think the look and the physicality are are um are there, but um yeah.
0: Yes, no, agreed, agreed. Um, we then got to hear about Immortals of Avium. Um, <sighs> yeah. that was We've heard of that around before, haven't we? I have thought uh, that was mentioned before,
1: but perhaps, I wasn't sure. I, 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 um, don't, I don't recall it, but it's not impossible.
0: We didn't get to find out much about it, but apparently it's uh, taking full advantage of the Unreal Engine 5. Um, yeah. Not necessarily uh telling us much to be fair at this
1: point no and the teaser gave me massive um avowed vibes which is like you've basically right. given us like a 10 second long cinematic of a game that you clearly want to be a first person action adventure game in a fantasy setting and this looks great but this isn't a video game yet so come back later please
0: yeah, it's, it's one of those where it's far too early
1: to know what it's actually yeah, going to exactly. be like. And yeah. like, this is what we yeah. want it to be. If you, want, like, oh, if you wanted yeah, to let's... review my, my like my review on how good you are at outsourcing cinematic videos to a like a you know production company that specialises in them, I'd give you a <laughs> nine out of ten. But please come yeah. back when you've made a video game. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, something else that looked pretty wicked
0: was Remnant Two. I actually played some of uh, Remnant from the Ashes. And I couldn't get into the game. Like I didn't, you know. We, we it was played a, it. it was a, we did. Of course, we did. With we Steph, we played. Steph. Yeah. we played a little bit of that. Um, it was a cool concept, and I liked the idea of it. But yeah, I couldn't really get into it. And so it was one of those where I saw the trailer for Remnant Two, and I was like, oh yeah, this looks wicked. And then when I found out what game it was, I was like, oh okay, I'm probably not going to be able to feel this in this sort of way. But it looked really nice. I, yeah. I bet a lot of people will enjoy it and play it, and it'll be cool.
1: I hope it is. I hope it is. That that first one had cool ideas, and I think there is room for a souls like third person shooter so fingers crossed absolutely um
0: splash damage revealed something which i was i was maybe more excited about than i should have been given where it's at in its like life cycle and and everything and the number of movies and stuff that have come out but transformers reactivate i was well excited when i saw when i realized what this was i don't know why it, it was a weird trailer was-
1: the, the trailer like didn't have super transformers vibes until it was like, uh, this is a Transformers game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the last Transformers game I played was
0: probably like, Jesus, I don't even know, maybe like 12 years ago. And it wasn't even that great, but it had the noise. And I was like, oh, right, I'm a Transformer. Yeah. And I loved it. So
1: I will say the Splash Damage's so last game was uh, Gears Tactics, which was a game that was far better than it had any right to be. Like, <laughs> I had genuinely a good time with Gears Tactics. So, you know, pretty cool. Uh, banisher's ghost of new eden i actually don't remember this one at all um this was a bit was of a weird this? one where like it was mostly like a i guess you'd I'm not, I'm, it, could, it could have been an engine but i'm gonna say sort of a cinematic sort of very story driven trailer but like a camera basically slowly zooming in on a guy who's being like told a story and there's a snippet of gameplay at the end but it's a new right. game from don't nod who made things like well weirdly enough they made uh, some of the life is strange games but they also made uh, vampire With a Y, and I think this is probably that team. The other thing that kind of caught my eye is that um, Focus Entertainment, formerly, formerly, excuse me, Focus Home Interactive, I think, uh, described it as their most ambitious project like ever. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, they kind of like revel. They they live in the kind of the realm of the B game. Like they published that. Evil West, um, was it Evil West? God, there's so many West games with, like, Evil West <laughs> and Forbidden West and Weird West this year. I forget which one's which. But it was Evil West that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And they also published the the, the game we're going to talk about next, which looks just as cool. Actually cool. Yes,
0: yes, because they are publishing Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2, which, like, do you know what's funny? Similar to how Dark Tide, which I haven't even played yet, I've downloaded and installed on Game Pass, mm. um, when I first saw that I was like, Jesus Christ that looks incredible uh Space Marine 2 I think is similar like looking it looks absolutely crazy and insane and so much fun um just smashing hordes of enemies with uh, dudes that looked absolutely the dudes that look absolutely ridiculous um, yeah. yeah and as you said this is from uh, Focus entertainment pub- published by Focus entertainment as well
1: um I think it's been made by Sabre right um the t- is it Tim Willitz. Yeah. yeah, like the 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 guy who'd been at id for like years and was like really closely involved heavily involved with like Rage One and Doom. He's like gone over there to like head up this project at Sabre, I wanna say. Is it Tim Willits? I'm not sure. Yeah, Tim Willits. Um he was the okay. f- former studio director, Kono and level designer at ID Software, and is now the CCO at Sabre. And this is kind of like the first thing that Sabre are doing since he left following uh, the release of Rage 2. Okay. So, yeah, yeah that's some looked, pedigree. looked gorgeous, like hordes of
0: enemies a double hard space marine smashing the crap out of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look great.
1: Absolutely. Look. Have you have you jumped into uh, Dark Tide yet? No, not yet. Um I haven't really like I've been pl- playing a lot of games on the, my PS5 lately. I've you know it's been kind of like a thing where because I I've, I've had a lot of work on lately. And I don't always want to stay sat at my PC when I finish the day of work. So, sure. like things like Pentiment and I was meant to, meant to play Somerville. Like a lot of that's fallen by the wayside. I was talking to Steph the other day and it was just like, "Bro, I've been so bad with my PC gaming. I can only apologise that I haven't, you know, like been here or there for multiplayer sessions and anything." Um, and but I still feel the same way that you do about Space Marine Two and Dark Tide. Just like I had a bit of a stigma against Warhammer because I didn't collect and I didn't paint and I didn't understand the fundamentals of how that stuff worked it seemed all a bit too it was a a level of nerdiness above the plane of nerdiness which i felt like i lived on but it is one of those things where i'm like i can't deny that when they take that franchise or that world and apply it to like a left for dead like or a gears of war like then i'm gonna have a fucking blast because at the end of the day you're just embodying really big chunky dudes with ridiculous armor using fun outlandish weapons to kill hordes of Whatever they are, like whether they're like gobliny, orky kind of things, or weird, grubby, prison dwellery things, like killing shit's fun. Josie. that's that's the that's the one takeaway that video games have given us over the years.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. Um, something I'm less with you on. I don't know. I don't. To be fair, I don't even have you play this.
1: Do you? Amogus. No. Yeah. And not since we not since we played it with as I had a Discord session though. Right, right. I've got nothing against Among Us. I've had fun whenever I've played it with friends, and I've never played it without friends. So I've got nothing, no beef with Among Us at all.
0: Well, there is a brand new mode coming to Among Us called Hide and Seek, Jamie, Mm. um, which uh, was rolled out free to players immediately after the Game Awards. Um, which is pretty cool. I do like it when that happens. Um, Introduces a brand new mode to the game whereby rather than the uh, sort of like the um, uh, trying to discover who the imposter is and it's like, who who do you suspect? Blah, blah, blah. This is um, the crew trying to complete tasks and hide from the imposter who is attempting to kill all of the crew members and exactly what it sounds like. Hide and seek. So um, Yeah. yeah, I, I think that the devs are trying to get and sort of inject some fresh blood into um, into the game. Obviously, it's been a little while. Now yeah,
1: that's one of those ones that I presume is still doing really well. I like, I don't know for sure, but I feel like there have been so many games over the years, like the PUBGs and what have you, that just kind of like quietly still do ridiculous numbers and make shitloads of money that I just don't question it anymore. I'm like, yeah, Among Us, it's probably massive no me too like I've, I've played a, I've played a few matches but I don't yeah it's not something I play
0: it's not something I dabble in it's not something I like, yeah. interact with at the moment but, um, a new game mode sounds cool um, that's good for them I remember when they won that indie game of the year or whatever it was award they won and they seemed to be like genuinely surprised I think that was during Yeah, because yeah. they were at home like
1: on their bed or something that's they right I forgot about that year when like we had to cut to people's at home cameras as they won awards <laughs> such a bizarre time it was um um I'm going to throw
0: this over to you. Is there any game in this little uh, last little list of games that you want to you want to give a shout out to? Um, um
1: not, but, not the, particularly. The like we kind of like we got the dregs at this stage. I will say that like were the genre not the that of an MMO RPG, I would be interested to see what Bandai Namco and Amazon Games teaming up would produce, which right. is uh, Blue Protocol. We got a trailer for that. But the problem is, it's that it's an like I said, it's an MMORPG, and that appears to be like the only lane that Amazon really want to get into right now. With like, I forget the names of all that shit, like Lost Ark, and I forget, I can't even, I can't even remember. There was another one that, the name escapes me that they seem to blow up, be popular on Twitch for like a week because people are paid to play it, and because everyone wants drops, and then right. they disappear off the face of the of the planet. Um, I don't know if Blue Protocol will do the same or if the presence of Bandai Namco means anything but we'll see um also I don't know like I I love dunking on Lords of the Fallen and I think it's a really weird prospect for that that team to go back to um Lords of the Fallen and make the Lords of the Fallen and call it a sequel um but I actually think that trailer kind of presented okay like there are some unique ideas for as much as it is fundamentally to the Soulsborne game but um yeah, there there wasn't that much else apart from like one of the things we've left as like a WTF caliber announcement. Um oh, we're going we're going to get into the WTF fight. Okay, okay. Uh the,
0: I yeah, before I just wanted to make sure you didn't want to mention any of those few sort of little uh, last little games because we have to talk about Jamie. Um, yes. one of the things that's, that I think we messaged each other about immediately after I'd watched it and I was like what the hell was this? Chrome Bros Rocker City um which was one of the most bizarre announcements for a game I think I've ever seen, which is an open-world crime game from Five or Five Games. Um, yes, but it is starring Michael Madsen, Kim Basinger, Danny Trejo, Danny Glover, Michael Rooker, Vanilla Ice, and yes, Chuck Norris.
1: I mean, what can you say? Like I was watching that trailer and my mind was probably going to the exact same places as you, yours were, which is like, what the fuck am I looking at? Not and, and not in a, like, how hard were these people to get or how much did they cost kind of way, because in the case of certainly the likes of Michael Madsen and Vanilla Ice, you're talking about not that hard and not that expensive, but just, like, the balls <laughs> to make these, like, to go out and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to get, like, the B-movie cast of the 90s. With the exception maybe of, like, I don't get me wrong, like, Michael Madsen did some good work and then became far cheaper as um uh, as the years went by. Kim Basinger also was in some great movies. Um, it is weird like it was I genuinely when I was watching this trailer it did make me laugh because Michael Madsen
0: presented it or he came on with a couple of heavies uh, and was seemed seemed wrecked like he was I
1: I had no idea what the fuck was going on man (laughs) and
0: it was weird like a a little bit slurry a little bit not quite sure if he wanted to be there Um, and then when the trailer actually kicked off and you had Michael Rooker doing it who gave you know a great voiceover
1: performance Michael Rook, Michael Rook is like, don't get me wrong, I know a lot of it has to do with James Gunn continuing to hot cast him in everything. Um, <laughs> but like, Michael Rook is still doing it, and he's great in those Guardians films, and he was great um, for a bit in The, the Suicide Squad. Yeah, no, exactly. He's still doing it. Um, some of the
0: other people in the trailer, not so much. Like, as we said, Michael Madsen, Kim Basinger, no idea where she's been for the last 20 years, but, you know, great to see her popping up. Danny Trejo, I feel, probably still is in movies. Um, I don't think I've heard of him being in anything big time since Machete. Um
1: True. A fair yeah. few years ago now. Maybe but, like, like if you told ago. me that Robert Rodriguez still puts him as at least a cameo in every movie, <laughs> I'd believe you.
0: Yeah, but probably a non-speaking part where he You're just right. has to walk into shot, look mean, and kill someone. Yeah, um, Chuck Norris being in this is hilarious. Like, I love that they've done that. Dan, one of the, they actually did a shot as well with um, Danny Glover, where it could have been straight out of like Lethal Weapon. Like, it was, yeah. they're even trying to recapture like the the look and the feel of those things. This game's gonna be trash. Let's just
1: put this out so, there now.
0: This is totally living on those names.
1: Here's the weird thing. There is gameplay that you can go and watch for this game, like right now. And I went and watched it, and it is basically, it seems like it's a it's mid mission. And it is you as part of a group of four people essentially doing a bank heist. And I was watching it and I was like, This is just payday. How am I saying this is just payday? And so I had to go up and look it up because 505 games published payday two, right? But right. payday two was developed by Overkill Software, and now Overkill have left Five O Five and published and, and teamed up with Starbreeze for Payday Three, which is still in development. So clearly, unless there was some weird like IP thing where tech got left behind or there was co-owned or whatever, clearly there is no actual payday DNA in Crime Boss Rock City. But it was this really weird thing of kind of like a not great looking FPS with some very payday like mechanics involving like busting it into a vault and getting a load of money pulled out of a bank by helicopter. Some really kind of not-that-stealthy-stealth mechanics. But then apparently this is also an open-world crime game, and I think Epic are involved in some way as well. They didn't talk about that on the night, but I think it was discussed. Hey, mate,
0: this was Epic. The trailer for this was Epic, just with the people that it announced are in the game.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I remains to be seen. Um, vanilla vanilla Rice, did I even say Vanilla rice is in it as well weird addition is. but yeah okay is, so um, I'm looking it up now um, It's co- so it's coming out in March so it's not that far away apparently it's actually being developed uh, it's not just 505 it's also a Czech studio called Ingame which is a team of developers who previously contributed to the Mafia Armour and Silent Hill series um, although I, I feel like those kind of statements don't really mean much um <laughs> They could have made a couple of assets for some of Apparently, games, apparently it is already 40% off if you buy it now, which is such a weird... I don't know. <laughs> it's this is
0: already 40% off. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's so funny. Uh, 505 is currently offering 40% off the game's launch price until blah, blah, blah on December 10th, which, to be fair, has already passed, so I guess it was like a oh. Game Awards like exclusive, uh, after which we'll be running a 20% discount until the game's release. So this is a game that will never be full price. It's like, <laughs> like a sofa what? sale at at uh, DFS. Exactly. Hang on a second. If if it's a twenty, if it's a running twenty percent discount until the game's released, then the game just doesn't cost what you're saying it costs. It costs the the reduced price. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. You're just then you're just trying to trick people into um, getting
1: thinking them they're game. getting a deal. What a bizarre thing. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those people show with some scenery in a cut scene or two. But as a game, I'm very uncertain as to what we're talking about here. No, agreed. It is a, it is a strange, it's a strange old prospect. Um,
0: almost as strange as some of the celebrity cameos that they had uh, at the Game Awards. So we haven't really touched on any um what games won what awards. So, um, apart from I mentioned the fact that Elden Ring won, um, Game of the Year. You know, you can you can question as to whether or not you think it was the right call for that to win Game of the Year. Personally, I haven't played it, so I can't comment.
1: Look, I'm learning. The internet seems to be pretty happy with that decision. I think, weirdly enough, there were more people who didn't want God of War to win it than who didn't want Elden Ring to win it. And so I'm not upset at the decision at all. Like, I haven't played Elden Ring either. Seems like a totally deserving game for Game of the Year. And I think God of War also won in categories that it deserved. Like, God of War won in Best Music, which I think was deserved. God of War won in Best um, Narrative, which I think is... Mostly deserved, possibly just because there weren't any other super standout uh, frontrunners and there were question marks over Elden Ring's, like, to what extent Elden Ring has a narrative. I know that was a big debate on Twitter at the time. Um, And also, obviously, one for best performance, which is part of what you're uh, talking about now.
0: Yes, because Al Pacino (laughs) appeared, um, which was brilliant. Because he uh, he kind of even said in his little intro bit that he wasn't quite sure why he was there. He was there because he says yes to things that he shouldn't say yes to. Yep. And he then struggled to read the teleprompter, which is fair because the dude's 95 years old or however old he is, I've got no idea. Um, oh. <laughs> but no, it was, it was you know what? It was cool. It was cool to have Al Pacino there. It was very strange. It was bizarre. It was actually not as bad as how Michael Madsen, because at least he didn't seem drunk.
1: Pacino, that's true, which that's nice. true. It was. Um, it was. And en- he
0: managed to keep it together.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it was endearing, and like I have it sometimes been critical before of the games industry's attempts to kind of like seek validation by going to Hollywood. But at least this was a case of like he. I think he even mentioned that he watches his kids play video games. So this was clearly a thing where like he got offered something, some combination of like having the free time, it, the money being okay, and his son probably saying you have to do it made him go and do it. But like. He went there with a smile on his face and he seemed happy to be there. And there are so many people who we've seen over the years who just have no interest in what's going on. And Al Pacino was like upfront about like, like, yeah, I'm not a gamer. You know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I am excited and I do recognize that games are doing cool things, that there'll be a big deal in the future. And I'm excited to be here, whatever this thing is.
0: Yes. I'm glad you said about the fact of, you know, it can get a bit cringy that they try and sort of mix together um sort of Hollywood and celebs and the Game Awards. That's very true. Somebody who didn't think that was cringy at all and who totally went for it, like 100% was Christopher Judge, who won um, the award for best performance. Shout out to Christopher Judge. He did a very good job as Kratos. Um, However, I'm going to guess and speculate that as someone who's probably never going to win an award for his acting, at an actual award show for acting... Uh, He wanted to take the opportunity to probably milk it for as much as possible. And it almost turned into an Oscars style speech, which was weird, man. So I was, I was, I had the, um, I was watching it on YouTube on my TV, but controlled from my phone. So you know the old thing on YouTube where you double tap and you can skip 10 seconds, right? So I was watching Christopher Judge's speech (laughs) and I, and he's, he's, I want to thank, uh my mom and my family and my kids and and I want to thank and he starts talking about you know his fellow stars and the and the people making the game and and Sony Santa Monica. All of this is fine. Absolutely fine. I got a little bored, shall I say, and I decided I was going to give a little tappy tap and just skip maybe 10, 20 seconds and, until you know uh we got the a little bit further tap, through yeah. to the end. Do you know what? I tapped he was still talking. I tapped he was still talking. I did one of the I did like a quadruple tap. This is we're talking 40 seconds or so. He was still talking. I then, di- I was then incredulously sitting there, going, "Oh my god, he's not leaving!" And I sat there trying to get through this. He spoke for like eight minutes. Um, yeah. I was laughing by the end at how pissed off I imagine Keeley was backstage, going, "Like, what is Christopher Judge doing? He's taken up the entire time." And one thing that made it quite funny, though, and to be fair, he he played it for laughs, even though I'm sure he was you know boiling Seizing. inside exactly, seething yeah. uh, because they were giving away free Steam decks constantly throughout the length of the show Um for, it was like every one every minute or something to so like a yeah. random view or something and so yeah he made the joke that Christopher Judge was doing his best to get more free Steam decks given away I it's funny because it got to a point where I think Keedy was going to drag out like the next bit of content and then he didn't he just cut it super short yeah, because it was like he was then trying to get back the eight minutes because they were overrunning a bit maybe yeah. Um, but man, that was a long
1: thing. Yeah. Uh, it was a long speech in an already long show that Keely was trying to streamline. So yeah. I like I love Christopher Judge. All due respect to him, great performance. Um so happy that he's Kratos. He's brought a lot to that role. But he's also clearly a guy who has a lot of like he takes his his craft quite seriously. And there's and there's a lot of gravitas to what he says, but also how he says it. And he's kind of got this demeanour about him, like even in doing a speech, it's like a performance and so it's like low and gravelly voice and really big pauses and like like really saying a couple of words and then like and then like delivering your like I'd like to thank my wife. It's like brother, like the camera there are cameras rolling, but not for the reasons you think. Like we've got a show to get up with here. Um And so, yeah, like, we can laugh about it now. I also think what's funny is that he went onto Twitter later that night not to apologise for a long speech, but to complain about the fact that he was cut off and say that he didn't have time to thank his wife. (laughs) Dude,
0: you could have done her in minutes one, two, three, or four, and you still would have had four minutes to talk about anything else you wanted to talk about. Like, come on now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Weird, but a a classic um, Game Awards moment, I guess, if nothing else.
0: I think the reason it was so weird was purely because it was not the Oscars. It was not the Grammys. It was not like any of these like tip top of like trying to reward an individual for so, something in a certain category. He wasn't up against other actors like the whole night. There was obviously in his category. But yeah, man, he he milked it as though it was his Oscars moment. So maybe, hey, maybe fair enough. Maybe he, probably he felt never gets like to do that again. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like this was so, a role that kind of like did... You know, came at a time, a, a different, perhaps a difficult time in his career. I don't want to speak, you know, too much on, you know, the kind of work he was getting prior. And like, it, it probably did feel like a lot. And it probably was emotional. And it probably was a really challenging handful of years. But yeah, he it, it did also come across as a bit weird. Bless him.
0: Uh, I enjoyed the face of the actor who played Atreus because um, he looked kind of pissed off. <laughs> That when he didn't win, um, I, I think what,
1: he. You, I think he knew he was probably not going to win. Right, like if anyone in his team yeah, of course, told him of he was going to win, then they need to get fired. Like, not pissed off. He just didn't look. He
0: didn't look that happy. For I think, I think that's just kind say. of
1: his. Um, I think that's kind of his vibe. That kid is like he's oh, right. one. He's one of those teenagers that like. I'm in my I never look happy about anything phase, and my hair is flopping. I skateboard. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. Fair enough. I could absolutely go, see that. Go and look at his Instagram and you'll be like, oh, he's this is who he is. Like, for as, for as charming and quirky as Atreus is, this is what this is the kind of person this actor is. Not in a bad way. It's just he's edgy, you know? He's edgy. Yeah, um, edgy
0: teenagers are a thing, Jamie. Um, and I think if we wanted a demonstration of how edgy teenagers <laughs> uh, can be, probably the strangest thing of the night, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I, I re-watched, I think, five times when it happened because I was trying to figure out um, – I hadn't seen it online, even though I was late, but I was watching it in the morning. I hadn't seen it online, which was um, uh, the fact that a streamer um, snuck onto the stage. Oh, I can't – oh, I've, I've literally – Were well, they definitely a hole. streamer? I'm pretty sure it was a streamer because other streamers were, were talking about the fact that he was on there and, and it was this kid. I'll find it um, I I thought, yeah, I thought so he was, was
1: just a dude.
0: Oh, maybe, maybe maybe he's maybe he's a streamer in the sense of he's got like ten people that follow his okay. channel. Maybe it's
1: that <laughs> okay. sort of or maybe he's calling um, himself a streamer now. He's been caught because it's a great way to generate <laughs> traffic. Maybe, but so yeah, as we said at the as we
0: said at the beginning of this, we were going to top load this with the best stuff, um, which is not what award shows do because they obviously saved the game of the year for last, which as we, as we said was um, awarded to Elden Ring and FromSoft. Um, I have not played Elden Ring. Um, sure, fair enough. Uh, online, everyone said that was great. But the most fun part about them winning the award, as we've just said, was when FromSoft and uh, Miyazaki came onto the stage and they were doing their um, acceptance and they were sort of saying, you know, how exciting it was to win, blah, 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 blah. They actually kept it a very brief speech and they were, you know, they were on point and it was it was well received. There was someone um, who didn't seem to fit uh, the cast of characters who were accepting that award. Um, it was a young boy who's uh, of teenage years, sort of secreted himself at the back of the group of fellas. Um Quite, I, I was surprised. You know what? Watching it back, I'm surprised how well he did this. He waited until his prime opportunity when the From Software guys had all stopped talking. He stepped up to the mic and he said that he would like to um, nominate, not announce, not not um, like give the award. He was going to nominate the award to his reformed Orthodox Rabbi Bill Clinton. Um, and what was fun about that was, A, it made no fucking sense. The guy obviously wasn't from From Software. And at the end of the awards, as you see the camera sort of pulled back to the establishing shot, you could see security starting to make their yeah. way on the stage as they nabbed him. And he was arrested um, at the end of the award show.
1: A little asterisk next to that, Jeff Keeley very quickly confirmed that he had been arrested. I can I I haven't double-checked this to you know, confirm, but I can say that some journalists who claim to have been in, in touch with I presume the, the, the LA sort of like PD or however, you, whoever you communicate, like the LA County Sheriff's department or LA County Sheriff's department, or whatever the fuck it is claim that no one, they, they claim that no one was arrested. Oh, so he wasn't. So maybe he was taken in by security. Yeah. And, and, and present and quickly whisked away, but I don't think he was actually arrested by the police or law enforcement. Um, at least right, that's okay. that's what some journalists have kind of countered Keeley's claim by saying because this person has since done interviews with uh, Kotaku and Bloomberg this um this rogue prankster which is I think how Jason Trier interviewed him and that was J- Jason Trier's takeaway was like this was a teenage prankster who decided to like go there and and seize the moment and do something dumb um and it it was bizarre and like I was watch- so I was watching be- it live and I was like that person's not supposed to be up there. It's, it's, it's extremely obvious to anyone with a hint of social skills. The second you watch it, like the way he was standing there, the way he looked at the camera, the way he would shift around the way he sometimes moved to get in frame and sometimes moved to get out of frame. You're like that person's not supposed to be on stage. And I suppose in some respects, not to be like the kind of negative Nancy uh, in some respects, we are lucky that a he was only up there to make a stupid joke and B he did it after the speech from Miyazaki had completely finished and, They'd actually got their props and allowed to, you know, truly you know, bask in that game of the year win. But on the other hand, it's like maybe, maybe next year, make sure no one can walk on stage like some, like I don't know, I don't know how you figure that out at a live show. I'm sure it's difficult. Like there's kind of works on the honor system. Like don't walk up until it's your turn. But um, but yeah, maybe figure something out next year or just be a little bit more wary that there's a weird kid on stage with the developers of the game Elden Ring
0: yeah it w- um it was like you said it was it was super obvious he wasn't supposed to be there, but I suppose if you d- i then wondered how would you know yeah, like who who, 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 a part who, of the who team? wants
1: to who wants to be the guy who goes and drags that person off stage just for Miyazaki to turn around and go like, no, he's with me, and you're like, oh right. my God, I've ruined it like no one wants to be like it's very difficult to know, and I'm sure that's what Ketie was thinking I'm sure that was Joseph Farris was thinking, even me like watching it roll on, I was like he's not doing anything like, yes, he looks uncomfortable, but he is just standing there. Like maybe he is just like, I don't even fucking know. Like maybe he was not someone's son, but like, I, I, I I couldn't come up with anything, but it was like, if he's surely, if he was going to do something, he'd do something. And then he didn't for a very long time and he did it. And then he comes up right at the end and says something nonsensical. And we all kind of got on with our lives. Super odd. Uh was one thing that so I've actually mentioned to find, So he's
0: he's a YouTuber. The kid is cool, and his name his YouTube channel is Matt and Even. Um, right, and he's been around since twenty nineteen. He's got about forty thousand subscribers, um, and he is he's done he's done like a, a few random things through like protests and stuff in Hong Kong. Um, but yeah, I, no one still knows what this is all about. Why he said this? What Bill Clinton being is. Uh, reform rabbi
1: is, but hey, it was Um, fun Jason Schreier said, just spoke to the guy who interrupted the game awards, he says his name is Matan and that he's 15 years old some thought his speech was an anti-Semitic dog whistle, but he is almost certainly a Jewish prankster, he understood a question I asked in Hebrew um, right and there's a screenshot of Jason Schreier on what looks to be like a Zoom call or a something or with, with um a uh, person whose screen name on the call is matan shirts so <laughs> right i have i i don't have a fucking clue I, I i guess it's one of those again one of those things where like it just it becomes another legendary game awards moment and like it it's the, just the most keely thing ever that every single year he tries in earnest to like improve the show he wanted it to be shorter he wanted it to be more streamlined bigger and better announcements fewer ads Like less sort of friction between the show and the viewer, and yet no matter what he does, it's always bookended by the most bizarre shit. Like whether it's bringing in Al Pacino or Christopher Judge's speech, or or this kid at the end of it. Like the the biggest headline. I feel sorry for Jeff sometimes that the biggest headline is always going to be like about something that's not that isn't like necessarily a glowing endorsement of the Game Awards, but that's I guess that's just the way people's interest and attentions are drawn
0: it's funny though in a way like i think etci does a really good job of it that the the amalgamation of awards uh like musical things cuz they had so they had um uh hosier doing the uh, song from god, god of, war. of war yeah they had um Halsey doing, like we said, the um Diablo 4 song. Then they had like Chia Pacino, Madsen, and then Yeah. There's Ed. also
1: the the Game Awards Orchestra, which they did like a medley right, of right, all the right. things. And there's a person, a very passionate uh, flute player in the in the in that orchestra who got a lot of screen time, right. called Flute Guy, who has also already gone viral. He put a video out on Twitter the other day thanking everyone for their reception uh, and that video on twitter has got one point one million views and over one hundred thousand likes. Pedro Eustache, aka the flute guy. Um nice. So, so <laughs> I, I love little things like that. It just it just also reminds you of the reach of the game awards. That like the dude who played the flute in the game awards orchestra went viral and got a 1.1 million view thank you note on Twitter. Like
0: in a I love in a in a world where um every other award show's dying year on year, I actually I think little things like This kid, uh, Matt and even and and like uh, Pacino being a bit weird, Christopher Judge's eight minute acceptance speech. Like I think all of that stuff actually kind of adds to it. A little bit of the crazy helps it. Otherwise, if Hmm. it went all according to plan, I think it would be a little bit more dull. Um, But because it's the Game Awards, I don't think you didn't you don't need to inject like Ricky Gervais into it yet to make it um, something people want to watch. I think it's 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 enough there. The world premiere, like the premieres, are great, and the the amount of um, uh, access. Jeff Keighley gets to like show new stuff off is wicked and yeah. the people that he gets on stage, like just getting Hideo Kojima on there, like semi-regularly K- Kojima referencing the amazing podcast that they do together. Yeah. Like, you know, I think he's got good access and it's, uh, I think he should, he should be happy. Weird shit happens because it gets people sure. talking. It yeah. gets people tweeting and
1: stuff and like, like and, and people are watching like the numbers across Twitch and all that stuff. And YouTube are still really impressive. And as someone who's ended up staying up till 4am or whatever, it was 4.30 that night. I didn't regret it. I had a great time. I, like, I did like being able to skip the,
0: mainly the Christopher Judge speech. Uh, yeah. Fair enough,
1: yeah. I mean, it might, it might have been nice with hindsight, but
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but hey, uh, talking about things that go on for four hours, this podcast is not one of them. So um, I think with that, uh, we will bring it to a close. So thank you so much, Jamie, for being here. Thank um, you. Sir. Thank you to everybody out there for watching. Thank you to our Patreons, patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Super. Forward slash super show pod uh, for supporting us. Um, as I said before, we are on podcasting platforms, we're on YouTube, um, and you can catch us at paisleyradio.com on Thursdays at 10 pm. Thank you, everyone, for watching with us, and we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.